0: Hello, it's fifteenth of January, twenty seventeen, and this is episode thirteen of Scavengers' Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel, and I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis, and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. Right, so Kirsty, how has your week in Star Wars been? It's been pretty quiet Star Wars-wise.
1: <laughs> um, I've had a lot of other stuff going on in my life, so. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: I've- I've
1: been trying to keep up with the news, but I haven't been consuming any new content or anything like that. Yeah. So what about you?
0: Pretty much the same, to be honest, because I've had lots of real life stuff going on. So there really hasn't been that much time to engage with like the fandom and all the stuff that's been going on. But I, I do kind of have the feeling that there's been so much news this week, like generally relatively low level things, but still lots. Um, and I kind of feel like it's swept by me because there's just been so much of it and I've been so busy I haven't been able to take it all in yeah So this will actually be quite useful in order to process everything
1: yeah because like I said like I've been reading the articles but I haven't had time to think about them and like write anything or yeah. any responses so yeah like you say we'll we'll be talking about it here and kind of processing our thoughts at the same time yeah so- so hopefully we'll <laughs> have some interesting things to say.
0: <laughs> yeah. We hope you enjoy hearing us um get get to grips for thoughts, listeners. We really, really hope you enjoy that. Yeah, we will try our best to make it interesting. <laughs> um Right, just before we move into news, I would like to say a massive thank you to everyone who's reviewed us on iTunes or given us a rating for that matter. You are really helping us. So if you haven't done so already, please do look up Scavengers Horde on iTunes and give us a rating or a review and you'll be eternally in our debt. <laughs> um, or the other way around, I think, actually. Sorry. <laughs> um, Yeah, so we're off to a great start already. Um, And the other thing is, if you have any questions for the podcast, please email us at scavengershoorde at gmail.com. And then you stand a chance of getting your question on the podcast. So fun times. Right. Then we will move on to news. And the first news item is that Ryan Johnson has been speaking to U.S. USA Today about Episode 8. And he's basically given a few like quick comments about the film and what we can expect from it. So I will just run through those. And the first is that tonally, Episode 8 will emphasise fun. Johnson is aiming for an enjoyable experience rather than a darker middle chapter in the new trilogy. I want it to be a blast and to be funny and to be a ride the way The Force Awakens and the original Star Wars movies were. Point 2. Fans will find out more about their Force Awakens heroes. Episode 8 continues where The Force Awakens left off with the journey of de- Jedi Trainin' Rey, former student Stormtrooper Finn and Ace X-Wing pilot Poe Dameron. I wanted to know more about each of them, and that doesn't just mean information or backstory, Johnson says. Figure out what's the most difficult thing each of them could be challenged with now. Let's throw that at them and dig into what really makes them tick by seeing how they handle that. Ray develops a strong connection to Luke Skywalker. The new film from the start will explore the relationship between Luke and Ray, who shows up on his remote intergalactic island with his old lightsaber. Both not knowing what's going to happen and also having a lot of expectations in her head about how this is going to go. Johnson says, "It very much feels like we all go like what we all go through in adolescence—the dawning of this new chapter of our lives." The director adds that the deepening of familial themes in episode eight is a huge part of especially Ray's character, something that was a really powerful part of her setup and something I really wanted to dig into with this. Four. Luke Skywalker is the emotional entry point into episode 8. A long-time fan of Hamel's enigmatic Jedi, Johnson thinks what's going on with Luke Skywalker is the essential question at the heart of the new film. I'm approaching it for take that I hope feels honest and real and is going to be interesting to folks and make sense. And five, episode 8 already has a title. The director knows it. In fact, he's had it locked in his mind ever since he started working on episode 8 a couple of years ago. It was in the very fast draft I wrote, Johnson says. So how bad does he want to get that big secret off his chest? I'll just blurt it out right now, he jokes. (laughs) All in good time, my friend. (sighs) That was a long article. (laughs) Please, Ryan. Yeah, please. (laughs) Please just slip up today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Kirsty, what, what did you make of these comments? There's obviously a lot to take in there, but what were your thoughts when you first read this article? Um, I enjoyed reading it because
1: it's just great to have some stuff from Ryan about episode eight. Yes. Um, But there's nothing here that's like truly shocking or unexpected based on the Force Awakens or what we've already been hearing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So. Yeah. No,
0: don't worry, it's fine. (laughs) I think that, yeah, like these comments is really nice to see people finally talking about episode eight in like some kind of substantial way. And that's really refreshing. Um, but yeah, like you say, everything that he says could reasonably be inferred from how Force Awakens ends.
1: Yeah, I think it serves as a kind of refresher after Rogue One. Um, yes. You know, to to people, because this was in USA Today, right? Yes. Yeah, so this will be people from all walks of life and... Um, not necessarily huge Star Wars fans reading this, so it'd be like, yeah. "Oh yeah, she ended up on the island with Luke Skywalker," and it just kind of reminds people of the bare bones of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like who the main characters were and everything. And
0: yeah, so they so... don't just say Ray; they say Jedi in training Ray, because yeah. they don't expect people to have that familiarity of the character. Right. So they're really clearly setting it out for everyone. Um, I-, I found some of the reactions to this more interesting and amusing than and What's actually the content of the article? Because I actually saw—I think it was on Collider Movie Talk—they were expressing distress about Ryan Johnson going on about it being like a fun and enjoyable movie. They were like saying, oh, "We don't like this." Some like implication that it's bad to have a movie be dark and gritty and stuff. He's not um, saying it would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think that like that particular channel on YouTube, they really, really like things to be dark. So when they see things like the Man of Steel trailer and it's all, like, portentous and, like, one day, son, you'll raise them up to the level of the gods where they belong. Like, it's incredibly self-important and, like, somber and, like, all that kind of nonsense when it's just really a silly film about a man flying around in a cape. They like the weight that seems to add to things. But equally on the other end of the scale, just having a movie, like, be all self-important and somber, that doesn't improve it that in itself doesn't make a movie good. So I actually welcomed the suggestion that no, we're not interested in making a movie that's dark for the sake of dark. We want it to be fun. We want it to be enjoyable. So yeah, yeah I w- welcome those comments. I think some adult Star Wars fans maybe forget
1: that this is primarily for children. Yes, definitely. You know, th- there's a lot of depth to Star Wars and obviously the, f- the fact that it is kind of rooted in mythology, um, it, it does serve as kind of like a, a teaching tool or, you know, helps people understand things larger than themselves. Yes. But that's also something that's very child-friendly too. Mm. So um, I don't think that just because there's going to be fun elements mm. and humour... and I mean, people always talk about The Empire Strikes Back as if that's really dark, but I don't think it is.
0: Yeah, I think people recollect it being dark when it really isn't. It has some very dramatic, intense moments. But as a whole, it's not really super dark. Like, and I think it's also a question of because of how it ends ends on like a relative down point for the heroes because there's like oh what's going to happen to Han? there's uncertainty there but like i think if anything that's how dark in air quotes should be done it's like there's real drama and real stakes but it's not arbitrary it's done for a reason to drive the plot and to give the heroes purpose yeah that's the good and you know he, he
1: compares it to the force awakens which i thought did a really good job of mixing light and dark elements
0: yeah definitely
1: so you had that um you know, obviously an emotional depth to the story, but there were plenty of light, lighthearted moments and lots of laughs and cuteness from BB-8. And, yeah. You know, there, there's something for everyone. So.
0: Exactly. It was very balanced. Um Yeah. And another thing I found interesting is I liked him comparing what happens in episode eight to being like what happens when you're like going into adolescence and like growing up and like maturing. Because like a common comment i've seen and i think it's also one i've made myself is that ray and finn in particular they're very much like children Mm. in force awakens they seem very like innocent and joyful and they like don't have any like cynicism yet so in that way they do seem very childish like even though the circumstances that they're in might suggest they shouldn't really be so childish and so naive if that makes sense. So I think it's interesting that there's this promise of seeing the characters mature more and like develop like away from that childish state. Did, did you pick up on that or... Yeah, because this
1: this quote that he he says that Rey has a lot of expectations in her head about how it's going to go. Yes. You know, you, you see from the beginning of The Force Awakens, really, when she says, oh, wow, Luke Skywalker, I thought he was a myth. Yeah. She has this idea of who he's going to be and what he's going to be able to do. Yes. Um, and obviously, she's been sent to Akto to bring him back to Leia and to, you know, help save the day. Yes. So there is kind of like this this stuff that's left unsaid there that that's probably not going to go the way that she's imagining and the way that the audience probably is imagining because Rey is kind of our avatar.
0: Mm. Yeah. So and that's really true. So I think, like, if you talk to a relative layperson about what they expect to happen off the back of Force Awakens. A lot of the people I've spoken to, they just think you're going to get straightforward Jedi training and then Luke and Ray will fight against the First Order and Snoke side by side. You know, they think it's going to be quite linear without too many bumps along the road. Mm. And I think that's probably what Ray expects to happen. But I don't think that's going to be what we get.
1: Yeah, because uh, this other part that he says, you know, Luke's going to be the emotional entry point. That makes sense because we've built up all this mystery about what Luke and Ben were doing before Ben fell and Luke disappeared. Um, So we are going to get that insight into what's been going on with the Skywalkers now. Yeah. Um, And Luke's story is
0: going to feed into Kylo Ren's story for obvious reasons. Um, Yeah. So yeah, yeah. He's like the big blank hanging over all of this. His name isn't even mentioned. It's like very conspicuous in his absence, almost. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing.
1: Like he's talking about, um, or oh, I don't think it was a quote from Ryan. It was the the writer was talking about. Oh, we're gonna catch up with Ray and Finn and Poe Dameron. It's like, yeah. What about Kylo Red? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I I really think that's because Kylo is just gonna be a big walking spoiler. Yeah. Just like he was in Force Awakens.
1: Yeah. well, And, you
0: know, it goes on to say that we're going to figure
1: out what's, what's the most difficult thing each of them could be challenged with and let's throw that at them. Yeah. For Ray, that's Kylo Ren in my mind. Yeah. You know, like he is her antagonist. So mm. that's what's left unsaid there. That exactly. He, he factors into her story. So
0: Yeah. And I'm sure that Kylo Ren would normally be included in that list I think they just don't want to confuse people because like you say this is aimed at a general audience and I think if you present Kylo as like part of a list that also includes Ray, Finn and Poe you are going to inc- confuse people because they're going to be like but what he's the villain he's the bad guy what are you talking about with him having this kind of journey and arc where he gets a big challenge thrown at him like, mm-hmm. they'll be confused by that, I think. So I do remember at Celebration, I think they were basically making the same comment and they mentioned Kylo's name alongside the names of Ray, Finn and Poe. Mm-hmm. So I have no doubt that he's going to go on a similar journey and be tested just as the other characters are. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, right. You ready to move on? Yeah. Okay, Cool. The second story is that Lucasfilm has release, released a statement indicating that there are no plans to have a computer-generated layer in future films. And this is how the statement reads, which was released on Star Wars.com. We don't normally respond to fan or press speculation, but there is a rumour circulating that we would like to address. We want to assure our fans that Lucasfilm has no plans to digitally recreate Carrie Fisher's performance as princess or general Leia Organa. Carrie Fisher was, is, and always will be a part of the Lucasfilm family. She was our princess, our general, and more importantly, our friend. We are still hurting from her loss. We cherish her memory and legacy as Princess Leia and will always strive to honour everything she gave to Star Wars. Um, yeah, I, and I, I don't know about you, Kirsty, but like, I was actually really, really relieved and happy to see the statement. Yeah, like, I was. I found it really comforting because... I saw lots of people who wanted a CG layer in, like going forward, in order to finish her story and get through with her arc, and I completely understand where those people were coming from. I don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong with wanting that. I just don't think it could have ever worked because you can replace a human being's performance with a computer-generated simulation of what you think that person's performance might have been, it would right. just scream false. Because with Tarkin in Rogue One, we already had these major uncanny valley moments. And I think with Leia, it would be ten times worse, especially because we can only guess that the scenes should be doing that'd be highly emotional. And it's one thing to have Tarkin like, standing in a shadowy room giving orders like in a very formal and stiff way. And it's another thing to... Say hypothetically, show a mother reuniting with her son, like when the mother is CGI. You, you can't do that. It would just be too weird, and it would take people completely out of it.
1: Yeah, I honestly think that would have been
0: insensitive. And yeah. I, I understand that people do want to see how Leia's
1: story would would end in the trilogy. Yeah. Um, but maybe they'll figure out a way to still do that justice. I hope. I hope that that's what's going on. You know, yeah. like that they've figured out a way to tell the story. Um, but. I wasn't a fan of the CGI in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be even worse if they decided to go ahead with this. Because as you say, they would be very emotional scenes. It yeah. wouldn't just be a case of her standing somewhere and saying some lines. Yeah. I just don't think it would have worked. So... Yeah. um, They haven't said what they plan to do instead. I don't know if recasting is really an option for them. Because Carrie Fisher was truly iconic in this role. Yes. So they might just figure out a way to... I don't know, write the story in a different way that still ends up getting to as close as possible to what they were originally intending in terms yeah. of the story's endgame. But yeah. inevitably, things are going to have to be different now. So,
0: Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I I think I said once on Tumblr when someone asked me about this, so I think the journey's going to have to change, but I think the destination will stay the same. I don't think they're going to like change like how things were meant to end up in this new trilogy because of the tragic loss of Carrie Fisher. I don't think they do that because for a start, that'd be an awful way to honor her because I'm sure she were able to have a say. She wouldn't want them to completely overturn everything that's been planned because of this. You know, she'd want them to persevere and make it as true to what it was meant to be as possible. Mm -hmm. So my hope is just they do it in like a subtle and sensitive way and like they make it very clear how important Leia is to the story and to the other characters in the story like but without necessarily having Leia have like a presence as such like in person because like you say I just don't think you can replace Carrie through CGI or otherwise so I think recasting all a CG version would just completely take people out and like you say, more importantly, being sensitive. And I expect that would be horrible for her family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate yeah. that Lucasfilm decided to release the statement. Yeah, Because,
1: you know, they have obviously no problems letting other rumours fly around like wildfire, you know. Yeah. Like, but rumours are constantly circulating about Star Wars. But this was obviously something that they wanted to set the record straight on.
0: Yeah. No, this is clearly something that hit a raw nerve with them. And... I actually found it quite touching like the the second part where they're talking Mm. about her being their friend and stuff. And like that does remind you because like some of the reports that were circulating around, that I think this report was responding to, they were saying things like Disney with unseeming haste, like unseemly haste, sorry, (laughs) um, like has approached the family of Carrie Fisher about bringing her back like in CGI form for future films. And like, that's actually a pretty callous thing to accuse people of when these people probably knew Carrie Fisher personally. Right. So I'm not surprised they wanted to release this because I'm sure it's very hurtful for them to see people saying these things if they're not true.
1: Yeah, I see a lot of reports, you know, talking about Star Wars in general, things are always attributed to Disney. Yeah. Um, But at the end of the day, it's still Lucasfilm. Mm. And Carrie was obviously a very important part of Lucasfilm and, yeah. and these films, so... Yeah, it is going to actually affect people personally. It's going to say, actually, no, this is not something that we were planning to do. And it must be very frustrating to have those kind of things circulating when they're completely missing the mark.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. So I totally understand where they're coming from. Uh, Right. Then the next story is that we've just learned that there was filming in Bolivia for Star Wars Episode Eight. And this is basically a few bullet points. But essentially, there's this amazing salt flat in Bolivia called Sala de Uyuni. Apologies for massacring that name. <laughs> um, and it's hard to describe. You need to Google it. I'll write the name in the show notes so you actually understand what I'm talking about. Um, but it's basically this vast, very flat desert. And it's like a salt flat. And it's so b- brilliantly white. That it's actually like reflective so you can see like the sky reflecting the ground and vice versa. And it's just incredibly beautiful. Um, and yeah, so we have a report that originally came through a Star Wars fan page, I think, and that was backed up with a photo from some other like local websites. And they basically said that there was filming there for four to five days. None of the actors from the film participated, but Bolivian actors were used. Um apparently the scene involved a group of stormtroopers running by the like running across the salt flats. And then a local newspaper called Pagina Ciati contacted the National Film Board of Bolivia who told them that they received more than hundred requests for several movies but did not know to which exactly matched. I think <laughs> Google Translate um <laughs> striking again there a bit. Um and yeah, and apparently this happened in June last year. So there's nothing incredibly spoilery about that. It doesn't tell us much, but I think it's quite exciting because if you look at the pictures of this place, it's amazing and it would make for a very convincing alien world. Yeah. Um, it looks
1: very otherworldly. Like mean, kind of, because it's so flat, obviously there's no horizon. You can, it yeah. has that kind of like end of the world feel mm-hmm. like it you can just drop off the edge.
0: Yes, um, definitely.
1: Yeah. It's really striking. And yeah, I, so the idea of stormtroopers being there could be like a, a new planet that we haven't seen before. I think we're going to talk about a rumour a bit later on that, yes. um, yeah, this is the idea that there could be like a stormtrooper planet or something crazy like that we haven't seen before.
0: Yeah. No, it should be really cool. Um, yeah, like there's really not too much to say about this because obviously the report is so sparse. But the main thing that this... Like highlighted to me is how well they've been able to keep this film secret
1: yeah yeah because the idea it's... that we're still getting stuff about the filming of episode eight and that was last
0: summer yeah exactly so this film had happened in june and i think the first references to this online popped up about december time mm-hmm. and then like it blew up like in the last few days that's when i everyone started to find out um so, yeah, like, it's really cool because it makes you think, what else could they have filmed? <laughs> because there's all these incredible locations across the world that would make these amazing alien landscapes. And if they did what they did in this case, so they just took out a relatively small crew and used local actors. Then, then there's no real reason for it to leak out because is one thing if like pictures of Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver and Mark Hamill turning up at Dublin Airport leaks. Mm-hmm. Because you can't stop that, basically, if those three actors are on a plane, paparazzi are going to be there taking photos of them. You can't escape. Yeah. Um but you can avoid that kind of situation with this. So yeah, it raises interest and possibilities. Yeah. I'm guessing that they have a
1: lot of stuff like exteriors on location and then the bulk of everything especially the most emotionally pivotal scenes will be at Pinewood so yeah exactly yes very secretive still
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes very cloak and dagger um right then the next report is that there are going to be TIE Fighters in episode 8 that alone doesn't sound too interesting (laughs) but this report is from Making Star Wars and there's more to it from that so patience (laughs) um right and then this is what Making Star Wars had to say While we just shared a new rumour today about something that takes flight on Act 2, now we have another rumour or two about something that takes flight for the First Order. (laughs) Ha! The second rumour of the day is about TIE fighters and the First Order. We've heard a credible rumour that in Star Wars Episode Eight, Kylo Ren has a personal ship. The ship, like some of his new costume, will seem a little familiar, as it is a First Order TIE Advanced. His ship is slightly unlike his grandfather's used in the attack against the rebels at the Death Star Trench. The fuselage is sort of pill-shaped, like the TIE Striker in Rogue One. They actually built the ship physically at Pinewood, according to our friends near the sets. We've also heard Kylo Ren has a cape inspired by Darth Vader in Episode Eight, so it isn't that big a stretch to imagine he has a similar, albeit more modern, ride that matches his love for Darth Vader. (laughs) so sorry <laughs> yeah okay
1: so i so i love baking star wars I, I think their podcasts are great and i listen to most of them uh, i just think it's really funny that there's this kind of confirmation bias going on with a lot of the spoilers where it's like oh, something that looks like darth vader's it feeds into <laughs> kylo's obsession with darth vader You must be becoming darth vader because there was another uh spoiler about ray wearing a black cape <laughs> yeah it wasn't like oh, maybe is turning into Darth Vader. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, I I just find that amusing. But, um, yeah, so I'm excited about this. Mm. Because the idea of seeing Kylo Ren fly something would be pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to go in... (laughs) It's really bad, so I think we've already touched on episode eight spoilers. But I'm going to go slightly deeper into episode eight spoilers. So skip ahead by about five minutes if you want to be safe. Um... Uh, but yeah, basically we have set photos from Ireland showing what looks to be like a smoldering wreckage. I mm-hmm. think. And when those set photos first came out, people, including Making Stars, I think, speculated that that might be like a crash ship on the planet. Um, and yeah, this to me it just seems to fit in very nicely with that. Because yeah, because wasn't it
1: also that they thought that where they had the Knights of Ren kneeling around it?
0: yes exactly so
1: that would indicate that someone inside it was important to them either kylo or snoke and (laughs) we know that kylo is going to be on arc two at some point yeah um so
0: it almost makes me wonder if it's like a vaguely comical scene oh seriously that's so absurd you know he crashes the ship i know it's like uh... his guys are surrounding him and they're like like, are you alright, boss I just, I just watched Whiplash and there's a scene in that where Miles Teller he's like barreling along in a car, like desperate to like make this appointment he has for a concert. Um and he's going too fast, he's not looking where he's going, and a lorry crashes into him and it sends the sh- his car flying and then like he crawls out like bloodied and bleeding <laughs> and like someone tries to say oh are you okay are you okay and he's like oh no no I've got to go to the thing <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I kind of wonder if Kylo would be a bit like that I'm so yeah. it's like don't yeah. crap my style
1: <laughs> oh yeah you know so all these little things about Kylo's new costume and his his very own personal ship I think it, like it feels it feeds into these fanboy like ideas of yes he's gonna be back and he's gonna be more badass than ever. Yes. The idea of him crashing his ship is really funny because it it's just hilarious. like, oh Kylo, you
0: can't do anything right. Yeah. And I think this also reminds me of a tweet that Pablo Hidalgo did. I, yes. I think someone asked um like, oh, is Kylo any really good at flying? And I think he said something along the lines of, um watch episode eight and judge for yourself or <laughs> something like yeah. that. I would guess that people are probably assuming that he is a good flyer
1: because of his you know, his father is Han Solo, mm. his grandfather is Anakin, and he wants to be Vader. Yeah. But because he wants to be Vader, it probably is going to go the other way, and it's like, no, he really can't do it. And I also, um, I'm, this is one of my predictions for episode eight. We're going to talk about later. I know I keep yeah. jumping the gun. Sorry. That's no, fine. But I absolutely love the idea of him not being able to fly, and then him and Rey are stuck on the Millennium Falcon at some point, and she just has to take over and do everything because he's useless.
0: Yes. No, exactly. And. I know this is going super into headcanon territory. Oh yeah. That but was. I like the idea of like Ray kind of like saying, why are you so awful? Your father was Han Solo. <laughs> you know, Ooh. like why can't you fly? And then like it starting off as like a lighter moment, but then it becoming more like emotional and being like, well, I was removed from my parents when I was like a child to go and train to be a Jedi. So dad never had a chance to teach me to fly. So then it became like a really emotional moment that, like helps you understand some more about like the background of the character. But yeah, yeah. that's like basically my own personal fan fiction at that point. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. I mean, that's what we're all doing. Speculating, but exactly. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, I do think it would be interesting if it does kind of subvert people's expectations for what Kylo's is going to be good at and, and why. So,
0: yeah, <laughs> I really like a humorous scene where he crashes. And, <laughs> like, the knights, like, nudging each other. And, like, <laughs> he's so bad at flying. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Please yeah, because I think I saw,
1: I don't know if this was on their podcast or just another part of this article, mm. Um, but they were speculating it, MSW were speculating mm. that he leads the First Order, like, he leads a battle mm. or some kind of assault on the Resistance. I can't really see that. I You know, could be wrong. But... um. Based on The Force Awakens, it almost seems like Kylo sees his role as quite distinct from the rest of the First Orders. Yeah. Like, he's not really... He's not a Hux, you know? He's not leading a battle or um, developing tactics for any kind of attack or assault. Yeah. It, It seems like his goals are quite separate. Yeah. He has his own personal interests, as Hux says. So...
0: Yeah. No, exactly. I don't particularly anticipate Kylo doing much with like the first order proper he just doesn't seem to be integrated into it to that extent um but yeah who knows there are so Mm -hmm. many possibilities it's very exciting um right then the next story which again is from making star wars and it's the one they allude to (laughs) in the previous story so you've got like a sequel to it or a prequel if you will um and this one is about convoys in episode eight am i saying that right right yeah okay great If you recall, last week we shared some information about these little avian creatures on Act 2 in Star Wars Episode 8. These birds were said to be protectors of Act 2. When the puppets were being described to me last summer, certain things like their sharp teeth stood out to me that I never saw in a Star Wars design. But they also made me not consider it was a bird-like creature we had seen before. Many of you asked me if the puffins were converys. I thought about it and dug a little. It appears highly likely that we will be seeing convoys in Star Wars episode eight. The sources that got back to me so far have said that's the gist of the design. However, leave some room open for the animated show's interpretation. Without having seen the designs myself at this point, I think that's about as good as I can do to confirm we will see convoys in Star Wars episode eight. Kirsty, do you want to explain what convoys are to the uninitiated?
1: Yeah, so um
0: we as it says
1: we we first saw them in um the clone wars and they are and and if people have watched rebels they kind of see this in the loft cats as well Mm -hmm. um animals who kind of have this connection to the force and um can hold memory like almost like living holocrons in a way which sounds kind of creepy but that (laughs) whole hold hold secrets and knowledge of the past and um allow jedi to kind of live on in the force like Mm. and and actually, this was something interesting I saw the other day, that someone was talking about Irish folklore and was mm-hmm. saying that um, it's said that the puffins who live like, around Skelly Michael and that um, kind of hold the souls of monks. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of f- feeds into real-world mythology in a really interesting way, yeah. right? Yeah, no, so cool. Yeah, so it's kind of cool that um, they were filming, you know, the octo scenes on this place and they're kind of like using the real locations, mythology and that culture um, to kind of show that, yeah, Luke isn't alone. And it all feeds into this idea that he's doing something quite important there. And this place has a strong connection to the force Mm. in a very ancient way as well. It kind of goes beyond the most recent Jedi order that we saw in the prequels. Yes. And uh, this is probably confirmation bias at work again, but this kind of feeds into my idea that, um, this equal trilogy is really going to be about expanding the law of how the force works mm-hmm. um, beyond Jedi and Sith, beyond yeah. that binary that the, the general audience will understand because we got, we got a lot of that in the clone wars with things like the Mortis arc. Yes. Um. So yeah, the search for balance that Dave Filoni's talked about quite a lot in terms of um how they're approaching the force ethos with characters like the Bendu in mm-hmm. rebels. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's exciting
0: Mm, yeah, no, definitely I, I I'm I obviously don't watch the Clone Wars, so I don't have the depth of knowledge that you do. But like you, I'm excited by the prospect of this island really being fleshed out as this place that's very significant to the force mm-hmm. and to the history of the Jedi. Because I think a lot of people think that Luke just ran away to hide, like because he was frightened or something. Yeah. Like so for your standard viewer, they're not really going to get at this stage that Luke is actually off doing something important. That he didn't just run away to like cower because he was frightened of Kylo Ren and Snoke coming to get him, which is really, really lame. Like he actually went with like a purpose in mind, like with a plan mm-hmm. for something that he needed to do. And yeah, I think if this island is really strong in the force and it potentially has like answers to offer on like how can we resolve this, how can this endless battle between dark and light be resolved and like made how can people just be made to chill you know i think that's kind <laughs> of it to learn. <laughs> it's like you need chill guys you need more chill yeah. <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah because yeah. they need
1: you know they need to come to understand each other and and while that's something like kind of intangible with the notions of the force when you distill that down to the characters who embody the different sides of it yeah I think that's quite compelling. The idea that you have Luke and Rey, arguably on this side, and you have Kylo Ren and Snoke, mm. and it's this, you know, ridiculous divide between them. But the idea of having kind of these almost ancient mythical creatures who don't have that same concept in their minds, like the Bendu in Rebels. You know, he would yeah. "I'm not, I'm not light or dark. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle." Um, yeah, I feel like that would provide lots of. It'd be an easy way to kind of catch the audience up to speed with where things are going in terms of understanding the force. Yeah. And, you know, it's not necessarily like dark equals villainous and light is heroic. Yeah. You know, it's probably more realistic almost and relatable to have characters that are kind of in between. Yeah. And I I I think you do see that with Ray especially.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I think it's like mainly going to be a way to just make it more fun and more dynamic for people because – there's only so many, like, campfire conversations Luke and Ray can have about the nature of the Force. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have that tedious exposition. It's not like him just teaching her. It's her
1: actually experiencing things through meeting these creatures. Yeah. Which really connects the Force to this idea of nature, you know, that the Force exists in everything.
0: Yeah. Kind of definitely. like how
1: Yoda says, you know, it's in the trees, it's in the rocks. Like, yeah, the Force isn't just something, like, um, it's not a magic trick. Yeah it's something that flows through everyone, whether they're Force-sensitive themselves or not, like it's still there. So, yeah, Yeah, that's really cool. And, you know, it's good to have cute little creatures
0: in Star Wars. Yeah, I know. That was going to be my closing comment too, actually. It was (laughs) going to be, they are just really adorable. Yeah. Like, again, I haven't seen them in action, so I haven't watched the cartoons, but the pictures I've seen, they're just so cute. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, like, those animals translated into live action Mm -hmm. because I think there's ways to do that without making it really, like, look really corny and weird. If that makes sense yeah because and like
1: the more little creatures than that you have the more kind of merchandising kind yeah. of it actually
0: made me think of Fantastic Beasts yeah because Fantastic Beasts is full of these like adorable little magical animals and they are kind of cartoony because they're all really really cute and they want them to be as appealing as possible presumably so they can make cuddly toys out of them but you can buy them as real creatures in this world so I think they'll be doing like something similar with like the Convroys but I think um, Jason had previously reported that there can be puppets as well, so I'm sure they will use some CGI because they can easily do flying puppets. But like, there'll be a combination, and I think all look really good. Yeah, and it has that kind of classic
1: fairy tale element as well, doesn't yes. it? Like a little, uh, you know, a heroine interacting with these cute little forest creatures or woodland creatures or whatever you want to call them. Yes. Like it's Yeah.
0: I actually saw someone post um like screen caps from Sleeping Beauty the Disney film like those little birds and owls that like help Aurora when she's in the forest and she's like make plain make-believe kind of like oh someday my prince will... <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a classic motif like I feel like BB-8 kind of
1: filled that role for Rey in The Force Awakens yeah you know um but yeah it's yeah. gonna be interesting to see how she interacts with these
0: yeah, exactly. I hope it's Disney princess of a twist. Because <laughs> like, so I think Jason did suggest that the animals might be a little hostile to Ray and feel that she like that she doesn't really belong in the island. So it'd be funny, like if you see these adorable little creatures and they're all like really crabby with her, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "We don't like you, girl. We don't like you."
1: <laughs> yeah, because and then when they they change their opinion of her, it's almost like you are seeing her growth as a character as well. Like yeah. she will have on through some kind of transition.
0: Yeah, exactly. She has to earn their trust. So, yeah. <laughs> I love how we have such a long conversation about adorable little colored birds. <laughs> this is Star was, Wars.
1: <laughs> I think it's interesting to, to think about all the possibilities it has for the story.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. So Even though it might seem like quite a trivial little detail, as I think we've demonstrated, it's the kind of little detail that would have greater implications for things.
1: Mm-hmm yeah because it's not something that they've just made up for this film if he's right that they are Convaries that does it's in existing Star Wars lore which I think is really exciting that they'll be bringing in these elements from the Clone Wars and Rebels and the new canon is really tying everything together
0: yeah definitely um right and then the final piece of potentially episode 8 relevant news (laughs) is that Adam Driver is going to promote Snickers (laughs) um Yeah, bear with us. We can relate this to Star Wars, believe it or not. Um, And essentially we're bringing this up because it kind of raises the question of whether we're going to get a teaser for episode eight at Super Bowl or not. So I'll read the press release. Not all of it. Don't worry. Um, The relevant (laughs) part. Today, Snickers unmasked the latest star of their award winning You're Not You When You're Hungry campaign, actor Adam Driver. The new spot marks the third consecutive year the brand will advertise during the Super Bowl and the brand's fifth appearance overall. Created by BBB... (laughs) Okay, let me try that again. Created by BBDO New York, the new Super Bowl 5-1 ad is the next instalment in the iconic You're Not You When You're Hungry campaign. (laughs) It repeats itself so much. I'm so sorry. Snickers, You're Not You When You're Hungry. Super Bowl commercials have become an annual event, said Adam Driver. Like, oh, I bet he did. Like, (laughs) bullshit. I'm excited to be a part of this iconic commercial moment on the world's biggest stage. And I'm going to stop it there because it's (laughs) disgusting. (laughs) Um... Yeah, that really sounds
1: like Adam Driver's words.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, can you say it with me, kids? Contractual obligations. (laughs) Either that or he has a mortgage to pay off. So so
1: I read this uh, press release a few days ago, but mm-hmm. it's only just hit me now that they use the word unmasked.
0: Mm, that, that sounds awesome. like Kylo Ren. And yeah, and again, like I had read it before, but I can only guess I was intensely sleep deprived because I didn't really take it in beyond <laughs> Adam Driver's promoting Snickers. Um, but yeah, just the nature of the campaign, you're not you when you're hungry. Mm-hmm. That, to me, screams that the real star of this campaign is not going to be Adam, it's going to be Kylo Ren. Yeah, because, so obviously, ten- Kylo Ren is the whole point. Like, he's this guy who wears a mask, he's a persona. So I think they'll have regular Adam Driver. Like um, And he'll, he'll be like, oh, I need a Snickers, I need a Snickers. And the more he needs a Snickers, the angrier he gets. And he starts slashing things with the lightsaber. And then by the end of it, he's Kylo. But then he eats Snickers and he's all okay and chill again. I, I really think it's going to be something like that. I don't see them using Adam Driver in this way unless they're going to exploit the Star Wars connection. Yeah, because obviously he's
1: becoming quite a high profile actor, but it's mostly because of this role. Yes. And the Super Bowl. I I live in America, like the Super Bowl ads are a huge deal. It's kind of funny because it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's adverts. So big book. <laughs> capitalism honestly it's part of the reason why some people watch super bowl it's super weird
0: wow that's so there it is yeah it
1: is strange but
0: what is super bowl is it football
1: yeah it's like the the cup final you know like it's the big one
0: okay so would it be like the world championships of like fifa in yes okay yeah Uh, so um the playoffs are going on
1: right now my husband is super pissed because the seahawks lost yesterday so they're out (laughs) oh dear um yeah but um yeah, so it's like the big one that mm. everyone watches, like the whole country watches it, and the adverts are, they're, they're you know, really really expensive for them to put on because it's the time when most people are watching TV. Yes, and um, yeah, so they actually have press releases for adverts. <laughs> like this is nuts. That is hard. Snickers nuts. I love it. <laughs> Sorry. I see what I'm you bit, did. I'm a bit loopy today. No, but, um, so we're both Yes, yeah, so I feel like this has to be Kylo related, and it, I mean, I could be wrong. They don't mention him in it, but I feel like that's going to be the kind of surprise here that yeah. that it would be like, that's... oh, my God, it's Kylo Ren on TV. And then that's kind of the start of episode eight
0: advertising. Yes, exactly. Like, so this basically it made me think. Like, I didn't think it was possible before, but now I've seen this. I'd say there's like 30 to 40 percent chance of getting first teaser at Super Bowl. Like, God, like, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> please God, please, please. <laughs> um, yeah, like just because it kind of feels a bit arbitrary to me to like just have this one spot where it's exploiting the Star Wars connection, and then nothing else for the whole night. Like it'd probably be a good way for Disney to get free Star Wars publicity because presumably Snickers would be paying the obscenely large sum for the advertising slot rather than Disney Lucasfilm. <laughs> um, but I think it might be part of like a coordinated thing where they're going to have like a Star Wars theme running through several adverts and then they're going to like culminate with like a really short teaser to get everyone incredibly, incredibly hyped. Um, because I think if they do something like they did with the first Force Awakens teaser, where it's like literally five brief shots with no context, then I think that'd be the perfect way to launch the movie. And then when you get to Celebration in April, that's when you actually have a more... Cohesive trailer where it actually starts to tell you things and give you more information.
1: Yeah, that's the thing, right? Because the first teaser, it doesn't actually have to tell us anything. It just gets, it reminds people that there's a new film coming out and it's going to have these new characters. uh, You know, that we've, it's not going to be Rogue One characters. And I know with Rogue One, there was some confusion about why Ray, Finn, and Poe weren't in it. (laughs) Yes. So it kind of reminds people, yes, you are actually going to see where the rest of that story is going to go.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And I think they do need to be very clear about the boundaries between Rogue One and this new film, like now that Rogue One's in the rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we, we've all enjoyed and watched Rogue One. Say bye-bye to that now. Here's the new one. This is what you need to look ahead to. And it's just so that they can get all those awkward questions about where's Ray and Poe and Finn? And it's like, they're right here. Yeah. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> they can get that out of the way. Um, yeah, and just... Another tiny little tidbit that we had about the Episode eight trailer is that Eric Davis, who's of Fandango, so he's a guy with connections, he knows things, he said, I know work started on the Episode eight trailer, he means, weeks ago. Mm. So, yeah, that's very intriguing because obviously I'm sure trailers can take a long time to put together, but if they've already been working on a trailer for weeks, that implies they could certainly have something ready. For the time of Super Bowl in February, yeah. Then and if it is great. just that
1: first teaser, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to show like a story. It can yeah. just be like some clips of like planets and like it doesn't even have to show all of the characters necessarily.
0: Yeah, it'd be about building hype. Yeah, I think and just saying this is the future. So, and I think that'd be useful. Um Right, then the final news story is about the Han Solo movie, and like essentially it's just confirmation of what we talked about last week. And that is that Woody Harrelson will be in the Han movie. Mm -hmm. And I won't read the whole press release. It's basically just his filmography. (laughs) Um, But I will read the statement from the directors. And that is, we couldn't be more excited to work with an artist with as much depth and range as Woody, said the film's directors, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. His ability to find both humour and pathos, often in the same role, is truly unique He's also very good at ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> it's good Which to is, know. Yeah, exactly. It's very, very charming. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's really nice to see that confirmed. And mm-hmm. then the other thing is that we had like a little tidbit from Woody Harrelson himself talking in a Facebook question and answer, I think, about another project. And he said, I'm a mentor to Han, but I'm also a bit of a criminal. I don't think I should say much more than that because the force is not allowing me. Ha <laughs> Um so yeah, what what did you make of getting this confirmed and hearing that little snippet, Kirsty? Yeah, it's good
1: news. I mean, I said last week I really like Woody. Mm. Um, I would honestly be surprised if he was a mentor to Han and not a criminal. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, doesn't really tell us anything that yeah. we didn't couldn't have already assumed there, but yeah, yeah, it's cool.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I think, like you say, it's something you take for granted. It wouldn't be like. Han was like an apprentice priest, like studying to be a guardian of the wills, and then he went to (laughs) (laughs) Baywood. They could do that as his backstory, but really don't buy it somehow. He's probably like the least spiritual person in the whole of stars. Yeah, not a bad thing. It just means it's not really his um area of expertise, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, good news. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I don't really have much more to add to that because. He seems good from the limited material I've seen him in. And yeah, it'll be cool to see him. Um, right, then we are going to move on to our spotlight section. <laughs> and this whole spotlight is going to be nothing but episode 8 spoilers. And I feel like we we are so bad at giving spoiler warnings anyway. <laughs> if people
1: made it through news, they're obviously okay with spoilers. So
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I will just reiterate though that we really are going to be talking about everything we know. Everything that has basically ever come out through making stalls and press photos and so on and so forth. So this is the last turning point, point of no return. You want to keep listening. You want to hear yeah. spoilers. Just and you know, be chill. It, could, it could all turn out to be wrong anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. like Rogue One, where they could go back and completely change the movie like six months before it comes out. Yeah. So then all of this becomes irrelevant. <laughs>
1: Yeah, or oh, this could be all the stuff that we see in trailers and then doesn't actually happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a track record for that now. <laughs> um, right. Bas- the way to introduce this is when I was going through all the reports and all the photos from trash rags like the Daily Mail and stuff, I was struck by how much that has been. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. Like So I was originally going to like try and take a little bit from each report that had ever come out. I quickly realised that was impossible. So what I've instead done is I've essentially summarised like key observations, key beats, from like the reports I could find, and I've split them into two strands. So the first is the resistance strand of the story with like Finn, Poe, Leia, and so on and so forth, and then the other is going to be the fourth strand of the story with Ray, Luke, and eventually Kylo, and so on and so forth. So it's going to be a question of confirming those elements of it. Um, right, so then with the resistance strand of the story, we actually have what would presumably be one of the first scenes from that, and that is that Finn's first scene is going to show him in a bubble suit that is cut open to reveal that he's in better shape than ever before. Like So I think we spoke about this room on the podcast, so I'm pretty sure it came out after we started. But I was thinking that would be a pretty good place to start. Well, yeah, I, I'm,
1: I'm glad to hear about this rumour, because by the end of The Force Awakens, you are pretty worried about Finn, right? Yes, exactly. Like, he's not, they say he's in better shape, he was not in good shape by the end, like... <laughs> no. You know? Um. So, I'm just glad to know that he's going to be okay.
0: Exactly. Do you think he's likely to have, like, cybernetic modifications, or anything along those lines?
1: Maybe on a minor scale, kind of mm-hmm. like Luke, but... Yeah. But... I can't see anything hugely like he's not going to turn into a cyborg or anything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was (laughs) going to say, I don't think they're going to give him the cyborg treatment. Yeah. Especially when you're going to like bad cyborg looks in all the trailers for Justice League. (laughs) 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 Sorry, that's harsh. Um, No, I think it will be more a
1: case of him being organically healed. mm. Like with the Bacta suit or, you know, whatever it's going to turn out to be. Yeah. And he'll kind of reemerge as this like rebirth of the hero thing. Yes. Be like, right. I know where I'm going now. I know I know what I care about. I'm going to kick some ass.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I can see that. And also, I think based on how Force Awakens ends, I think his first question is going to be, where's Rey?
1: Because
0: mm. the last thing Finn knew before like Kylo struck him down was that Rey was unconscious and that Kylo was going after her. So that's yeah. why Finn was fighting Kylo Ren, because he was trying to protect Rey. So I expect him to like panic, be like, Oh my god, what happened to Ray? Where's Ray? And I don't see him being particularly happy about, oh, she's off on an island with Luke being trained as a Jedi. You won't see her for a long time. I yeah. saw how happy he's gonna be about that. <laughs> because she was basically his like only friend apart from Poe. Like so Poe and Ray, they're his friends. So they're gonna have to give him some convincing that no Ray's okay. You don't need to worry about her.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting because obviously Ryan's saying that all the Heroes are going to be tested. Mm. A big part of Finn's motive in The Force Awakens was going back to Base to save Rey. Yes. And she's not going to be a huge part of his story, it looks like, in Episode 8. So he's going to have to find something else. Like, there's going to be something else that he latches onto as his cause that he feels really strongly about. Yeah. So you, you would suggest that that would be something to do with what the Resistance is actually trying to achieve.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. Like, So I think that's going to be a big element of how the characters are tested. They're being tested by being taken out of their comfort zones because by the end of Force Awakens, Rey and Finn were very comfortable with each other. So there's not much of a test if you have those two characters like buddying up for the whole of Episode Eight, mm. because that's how they were throughout Force Awakens and they're a good team. They can help and support each other. So when you rob them of that help and support then they're probably going to be adrift somewhat, especially Ray, because Finn, at least is Poe, he has other friends, but Ray, she's like stuck on an island for weird old man. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Luke. Sorry. I know that sounds really mean, but it's just kind of the truth. He's not like a peer, if that makes sense. He could only ever be like a mentor, Mm -hmm. like a faux father figure. Um, So yeah, it's going to be a very different kind of dynamic. But yeah, that was an interesting intro to Finn. If it comes to pass, Um, Yeah, and then the next rumour is a very old one. I think it originated with Latina Review, and then basically making Star Wars, they went and spoke to people, and they backed it up and provided some more details. And the report basically summarised the key points as, Laura Dern is a leader of the Resistance. Leia's ship is ambushed, and she's blasted through space. Leia ends up in a coma. Laura Dern's character then takes over Resistance Command, but makes things far worse. With this in mind, Poe takes control of the situation and becomes the interim leader of the resistance. In regards to the way Dunn is portrayed, we are not we are meant to be unsure if she is good or bad. And then this this was like April time. It was a long time ago. Um and then much more recently, I think in the autumn, we got a very different picture of Laura Dunn's character that kind of turned the impression created by that initial report on its head um, because it described Laura Dern in this way and it said, Laura Dern is probably the most bombastic of the new characters from the rumours we've heard. She is very aristocratic and fancy in a way we haven't really seen in Star Wars before. Her look is unique. Someone compared her design to The Hunger Games meets Star Wars. Dern wears a fancy dress and her hair is like some encounter prequels. The biggest defining detail of this new character is that she has pink hair. Sources are at a loss for words when they try to describe her hair, which is very ornate, almost like something out of the Outlander Club in Attack of the Clones. So yeah, for you, Kirsty, how did you kind of like reconcile that initial report with like the subsequent one, like about Doctor? Yeah,
1: I don't think they're completely contradictory,
0: Mm. because I think it could be
1: someone from the Republic coming in and kind of trying to trying to take over stuff and acting like they're the boss when they don't really have any true understanding of things yes um and it does give us kind of that glimpse into the new republic that was a bit it was missing from the force awakens right you had hints that they were being backed by the republic because that's what hook says in his speech yes um but yeah, it's going to kind of connect to and have that disparity of people who are making all these grand political decisions, but have no real understanding of the war and the real toll it's having on people.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I hope
1: that we're going to have kind of similar to Rogue One, that there's that real disorganization in mm-hmm. the resistance, just like there was with the Rebel Alliance, that yes. people are coming together, but it's for all these sorts of different reasons. And they all have their own priorities and understandings of the situation. Mm. So it's going to generate some interesting conflict. Yeah. What do you think?
0: No, I think that's a really good read of the situation um, and I think that's like the most plausible scenario because um, yeah, like you say, it's not that the second report contradicts the first it's just that it casts it in a different light mm-hmm. so I think when you read Laura Dunn as the leader of the Resistance and you think to what the Resistance were like in The Force Awakens and they're all very sensible and they're all wearing uniforms and none of them have brightly coloured hair or anything that particularly stands out like apart from a few of them who are alien but that's just a Star Wars thing. <laughs> I did wonder if that was a case of the first report um just kind
1: of mixing it up in terms of semantics like mm. getting the resistance and the republic confused because they're not the same thing but they're yeah. on the good side in their quotes.
0: Yeah, it's possible. I I think based on the second report it would definitely make more sense for her to be a leader of the republic. Who's kind of floundering because well the republic's gone, <laughs> um, and then she's like, oh god, I need I need to be important. I need to find like whatever is going to be the new government. So then she latches onto the resistance and tries to take command of that mm. because like what was her touch point has been taken away. Yeah. So yeah, I think that definitely creates like an interesting political back- backdrop to it because like you say, it suggests that there's gonna be all this friction and conflict within the resistance, which is something we really didn't see in force awakens and It was one of the main criticisms people had of it that like the political conflict all seemed a bit shallow um and that it sometimes was just absent altogether, like there just wasn't any politics at all like presumably because they were frightened about going towards that territory as they didn't want to alienate people.
1: Yeah. I think this would be a good way to kind of deepen and contextualize Leia as well. Mm. Um, Kind of the same way that bloodline did that you, you would start to see her as quite a radical in terms of new Republic politics. Yes. And um, that she kind of did start the resistance without formal approval. It wasn't like it's, it might be funded in some way, but it's all very hush hush.
0: Yeah. So
1: if you have someone who's very much part of the establishment coming in and being like, okay, this isn't quite legitimate, but I'm going to take things over. And they actually end up making things worse, or at least as perceived by people like Poe, who really does follow Leia and strongly believe in her convictions. Yes. But it kind of gives us that idea of how Leia is perceived by the wider galaxy.
0: Yeah, because this scenario reminded me of the fact that Carrie had spoken about um, really enjoying acting in episode eight. And mm. I was thinking this would be like a nice meaty thing for her to latch onto. Like if she is very, very isolated from like the mainstream government and the people in the Republic don't like her and they, they could almost consider her like a Saw guerrera S figure, like as in from Rogue One. Um, I can consider her too like radical and too extreme in her methods. Yeah. And then when you force her to work alongside people from the Republic, it causes all these fault lines to emerge. So Definitely. I think there's lots of rich potential for drama there um yeah. obviously there's the question of whether how much of this will need to change because of what happened with Carrie but I think with that I'd probably go back to the idea that I really hope they just don't change much about episode eight at all I'd pre- almost prefer- they didn't change anything just to like honor the performance that Carrie gave like yeah. rather than like manipulating it into something it was never meant to be but it, again it's going to be a very difficult decision for them
1: yeah I do hope Like if this idea of her ending up in a coma, if that's true, Mm. I hope that she still has some really good scenes. Like I hope it's not just a case of one scene and then that's it.
0: Mm. So I really hope that. And I think that that would be the case because everything we've heard, it indicates that like her role in Episode 8 was bigger and meatier than her role in Force Awakens was. So I don't think that can be true. She has spent all her time in a coma and she doesn't do anything interesting. Yeah, I hope so, because they they did film some really cool stuff for for Leia in The Force Awakens
1: and then Mm. ended up cutting it because they were like, oh, no, let's introduce her as she's meeting Han. So you're seeing her through his eyes, like Mm. how much things have changed between them. Yeah. But Leia's an amazing character in her own right, so... Mm. There, there's a deleted scene on the Blu ray that's like her sending off Corsella to the Republic and everything, and it really does show her kicking ass as a general.
0: Yeah. No, so it's I... a
1: shame that that stuff was taken out.
0: Yeah. No, I know the scene you mentioned, and I really like that one. It was perhaps the one that showed the most carry of all mm. the moments, like in her performance for Force Awakens. So yeah, it was a shame that that was removed because it also did a good job of like showing how like detached he felt from the mainstream government. There's like some like, oh they all think I'm crazy anyway. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah, I do wonder if this
1: kind of thing in episode eight is gonna be kind of picking up that story that was left
0: out a little bit. Yeah. No definitely. Um, right, then the next thing to discuss is gonna be Kelly Marie Trans character. Um so we have very little information on her, but the sources that we have heard from are heavily implying that she's very prominent and that she spends much of her screen time with Finn. And there have also been rumours that she and Finn are going to be romantically involved, but it's unclear how much solid evidence there is to back that up. Um, So, yeah, what are your thoughts on Kelly Marie Tran, the character? It seems like she might be playing in episode eight, Kirsty. Well, it is so
1: hard to know because we have very little right now.
0: Yes. Because there's a lot of stuff in
1: interviews, like John Boyega saying that she's going to be really important and... It's gonna be a, a crucial role. Mm. Um and Daisy Ridley's been saying the same thing as well. Yes. Um, but because we have very little context for that, we know her character's gonna be spending time with Finn, but I don't know in what capacity. Mm. I think it was um Amanda Ward on Twitter said that she thought that um Kelly Marie Tran was being cast as a romantic kind of screen partner for Finn because the early casting calls were talking about a love interest. mm mm-hmm. But we don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's nothing official coming out for that. So, yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, it is. yeah, what do you think?
0: Yeah, again, she's just a big question mark. Um, We I mean, know so little about her. I think there were initially plans to introduce Kelly at a Celebration last year and presumably be told something about what kind of character she was going to be playing. Um, but in the end, she didn't go on stage, although she was at Celebration wearing a Finn shirt, <laughs> um, which is a nice touch. Um, but yeah, I think people, when they think about that character, they think back to the fact that there were actresses auditioning for like, the new big female role in Episode 8 and they had to do chemistry tests with John Boyega. Right. So I think that's where a lot of the rumours about romance come from. But then there's like the question mark over how much that role has changed and like whether it's even the same role that Kelly ended up getting because mm-hmm. I know they were introducing sorry they were auditioning people like Gugu Mbatha-Raw and I think Tatiana Maslany and like these very very talented and accomplished actresses like in their like early 30s and I think there's been some confusion over whether they were going for Kelly Marie Tran's role or like another role and yeah so who knows but I think it is clear that Cillian Tran is playing the character who'll be very important to Finn's strand of the story. Yeah, and you know we we might think that there's a possibility
1: of it being romantic, but you can have a chemistry reading, even if that's not what's going to happen. It yes. just means whether the you know they'll have a compelling dynamic in yeah. some capacity. So.
0: Exactly. So I think um John and Daisy had to have chemistry readings, and like yes. as they've since made clear that they're not really meant to be a romantic couple they're just meant to be characters who spend a lot of their time together and form a close bond. Mm-hmm. So it could be like that with Finn and Kilmery Tran, but equally it could be a romance. So I just don't think we know enough either way to form conclusions. Yeah, but it looks like the
1: their story is going to at least take part in some capacity on the Dubrovnik set in yes. Croatia. Yeah. So that's kind of like that um, glamorous planet where they had all those people in swanky outfits. and. Yes. Yeah, no,
0: exactly. That was going to be what I got to next, um, because <laughs> we probably have the most material from Dubrovnik in Croatia, like anything from episode eight filming, because it was like every day there was a new spoiler report with dozens of photos from the paparazzi. It was ridiculous how much leaks out. Um, but yeah, um, so essentially they did about a week's worth of filming. I think in Dubrovnik in Croatia, which is the location that has previously been used for Game of Thrones, and like we basically have a list of points about things that happened there and things that were seen and so on and so forth. This is incomplete though because there's just so much; it's difficult to know where to begin. So, making Star Wars have said that the Dubrovnik planet features in the later half of the first half of the film. It's interesting. Um, the planet has something of a sophisticated and glamorous film. Like there was a cruise ship, for example, used for filming and the deck was filled with smartly dressed extras, including aliens. Um, and then the alien city on Dubrovnik, it appears to be very technologically advanced. There's like fancy fittings around all the doors. There's like lots of illumination, like there was modifications to the fountain and it just went on and on. Um, And there's also been reports that the planet features a casino, Um, so a place of vice and villainy, presumably. (laughs) Um, And then there was a scene that involved doubles for Finn and Killer Tran's character riding down a street on the back of what can only be described as a large white horse with long ears. Not making this up, it's not a fever dream, it's a thing that happened. (laughs) <laughs> um, and then there was also a speeder chase that was filmed, with one speeder appearing to be cut in half. Um, and then there were potentially doubles for Ray Benicio del Toro's character and Laura Dern's character present, although it's very spotty as to whether you believe those reports and how well informed they are. And yeah, then there's just lots of other random stuff. There were like people standing on the city walls of Dubrovnik doing filming there. You could see the horse's head on the city walls and I think there was also some stuff that looked like it might be Jedi things going down like people being flipped over walls and things. So, yeah, that sounds horribly incoherent. So, I apologize, but there's just so much. Um, see, so yeah, what's your impressions of Dubrovnik, Kirsty? Well, there's some things that, if
1: they're all true, don't quite fit together. Yes. So the idea of this being in the first act, I don't quite buy the idea of Ray being there mm. because she would be on act two still. Yes. Um, We've, we've actually heard rumours that they're going to be there. I, well, there's no rumour of them actually leaving the planet yet. Mm. So if they were going to leave that early, we would probably already know or at least have an inkling. Yes. So not sure about that. Um, But it all sounds very exciting and glamorous and kind of in that James Bond feel, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like something amazing goes down on the casino planet and there's a a chase and they're riding on a horse. It's all very (laughs) epic.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It sounds absolutely bonkers, but in a good way. I I like that it sounds so zany and crazy. And I think this could well fit into like that fun vibe that Ryan was talking about. Yeah. Because it does sound very exciting to have this kind of maybe like espionage plot on this really glamorous setting. And then all this like crazy nonsense goes down with like chases and horses and stuff. Um, Yeah. And I think the confusion over Ray, I think that probably emerged because Chloe Bruce definitely did a hundred percent go out to Dubrovnik to do filming, but there's no indication that she was there in the capacity as Ray. So they could have just been using her as like another stunt woman, like to do the other stunt work that had to be done on that location. So there's nothing to say that Chloe Bruce was there to perform as Ray, so I think that might be why that was the source of confusion. But is that something that normally happens then?
1: Like they would have a a stunt double for like, more than one role.
0: I'm not familiar enough, to be honest, with um, like how these things work, but I do kind of wonder if they book out like the time of these like stunt professionals, and then say there is like, a two-week period where they don't need her to do any stuff for Ray, but they do need people to go out to Dubrovnik. So they're like, oh, Chloe, we don't need you to do any Ray work for the next two weeks, but would you want to come out to Croatia with us and help us out with some stunts there? Right. Like, I could see something like that happening, but I'm really not well-informed enough. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's quite complicated with contracts and stuff and what people are obliged to
1: do. Yeah. I mean, based on kind of what we're hearing about these chases going down and stuff that does sound like an act one kind of thing because they're in this place where everything seems calm and sophisticated and then all of a sudden something big happens yes and then you know that that makes Finn and Kelly Marie Tran's character realize oh there's something big going on here that we need to get to the bottom of or mm. need to develop some kind of strategy yeah and then that that kind of propels
0: things through the story for them mm. I've seen it suggested that the Dubrovnik planet might be like a hotbed of like first order sympathizers. Right. Or something like that. So it seemed very wealthy. And casinos are like often synonymous with like corruption and things along those lines. And we obviously know that the first order had to get funding from somewhere. It would be kinda cool to think about Kelly Marie Tran
1: coming from like a wealthy family. Mm. That do have first order connections.
0: Yeah. Like a strange parallel to Finn. Yeah, no, that would be really cool. Um because yeah, everything we've heard about Kelly Marie Tran's role suggests that it's quite juicy. So that suggests that she has an arc in her own right. So yeah. she's not just there in service of Finn's story. She presumably has her own arc and her own journey to go on. So, yeah, something like that would be cool, where she like, maybe comes from a First Order family, but she has like doubts and she would decide she wants to help the Resistance, so reaches out to them to try and like offer information that will help them. Like That's complete speculation on my part, but a story like that would be pretty cool, I think. Yeah. Um, right, so then, the final like big bit of information we have about this <sighs> straddle of the story is again about Finn and Kilimory Tran's character. And it's essentially a bit of a weird one where Finn and Kelly's characters, as along with a resistance technician, they are going on to either a First Order ship or they're already on like a boarded resistance ship and they're like setting bombs. Um and yeah, it sounds like a bit of a weird one because again, it just lacks the context you would need in order to decipher what's happening. But it clearly suggests that Finn and Kaliri Trans character they're still together and they're still like a team, a partnership, working beyond all the like presumably espionage stuff that happens on the Dubrovnik planet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, again, it adds support to the idea that these characters are together for quite a big chunk of the film.
1: Yeah. It, and that would indicate that they've kind of developed a bond of some kind. Yeah. And they're still, and they're working together. So it, you've heard kind of rumours or at least speculation from fans that Kelly Marie Tran's character is going to somehow betray Finn in some way mm. or not quite be who she says she is at first. Yes. Um, Again, that seems not the betrayal aspect, but like the idea of pretending to be someone you're not. That's almost like Finn to Rey in The Force Awakens. Yes, it takes a while to come clean about who he is. Mm. Um, and then that that in some way could challenge Finn, or maybe like have him self reflect and look past who someone is in in the way that they would first identify themselves. Like he he realizes that. Well, he had a chance to make things right for himself. So maybe she deserves a chance too. you know? Yeah, no, definitely. But again, total speculation because <laughs> that's what we, we can do here because yeah. it is real bare bones. Yeah. Like, you know, the idea of them planting bombs or we see Han and Chewie do that for a few seconds in The Force Awakens, but it's not, <laughs> y- you know, that's like it's the so point hard to for- see. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. The point is the character interactions, but exactly. obviously there's a huge amount of action that goes down in Star Wars too.
0: Yeah that we really just have these very skeletal details so we don't really have anything on character dynamics which is where the whole meat of this lies um but that's a good thing so i even though i obviously eat spoilers like a hungry person i prefer for those like real like details to be kept under wraps until the film comes out so the pleasure of force awakens discovering those character dynamics because you didn't get really any true sense for them from reading the spoilers and I don't think you would for episode eight either
1: yeah like existing characters we can speculate on because we already know to an extent who they are yes we think we do anyway (laughs) yes but with Kelly's character
0: we there's just nothing so exactly it's feeling about in the dark yeah um right then the final bit sorry i was false and saying the last bit was final um for the resistance strand is that finn infiltrates some kind of first order facility um and he has like a humorous encounter with a stormtrooper played by tom hardy and like there's this suggestion that the stormtrooper like slaps finn on the ass god (laughs) i know i know like in that jock way yeah, like <laughs> in a jock way, not in a like pervy way. Like, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Finn. Oh, my God. And I think in making Star Wars, they also suggested that the Stormtroopers believe that Finn is like a covert agent for the First Order. So they believe he's infiltrated the Resistance instead of be- having defected to it. Right. Um. Like, And this is presumably being done like as a means of keeping there from being a full-scale revolt amongst the Stormtroopers. Because obviously they heard a story of this one guy breaking out and becoming successful and heroic as part of the resistance, that could very well inspire like widespread dissent. So that's something they really need to stop. Yeah, I, this is the kind of scene that I
1: can see John Boyega playing so well. Yes, he's so funny and charming. Like yeah. I, I just think it would be brilliant.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's potential for it to be really funny. Um, and yeah, like I think this. If it's true, it just suggests another element to Finn's story where they're presumably like, getting into some kind of first-order facility in order to like investigate something or break people out or whatever. But again, it just seems like quite a separate scenario from the Dubrovnik scenario and the planting bomb scenario. Yeah. So I think it's just another jigsaw piece. But again, we don't know where it fits or what it really looks like beyond yeah. a silly cameo from Tom Hardy. Yeah, it sounds like there could potentially
1: be quite a lot of planet hopping. Mm. You know, there was a lot in Rogue One. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, I wonder if they would take over the idea of writing the planet names on the bottom of the screen to help people keep up, because I, I think that was helpful in Rogue One. Yeah. But but it'd be kind of new to bring something like that into the saga. I'm not sure.
0: I think it's likely, especially because of the fact it seems that for the fourth strand of the story, it will mostly be one location. Yeah. So I think to avoid things being too static, they're going to have like Finn's part of the story really jump around and go to lots of different places. Yeah, that and makes sense. Keep things more dynamic. So I think that would probably be the thinking behind it.
1: Yeah, because I've seen uh, I follow message boards and forums obsessively, so <laughs> yes. kind of see what various fans are talking about, and there's been some con- like not a- apprehension, I suppose, about whether they could have a truly dramatic, gripping story on Act Two that's like they stay there for most of the movie. Yes. Obviously there'll be stuff happening.
0: Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah. It's not going to be a Wars, nature documentary. No. But Star Wars, you do get used
1: to people jumping around and lots of action and things like that. So I suppose if they have Finn in one section of the story and Rey in another, they can kind of have the best of both worlds if they, if they edit it together well.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. So I don't think the four strand story will be boring by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's much more likely to be quiet and contemplative. Mm. Whereas there's going to be more action and high-energy stuff going on with Finn, like in those characters. So, yes, lots of exciting things. Um, right. But then we can move on to the fourth strand of the story. And, oh boy, again, there's lots to discuss. <laughs> but it's all good. It's interesting stuff. Um, right. And... As we've touched upon, the evidence is mountain to suggest that Luke and Ray spend much of their time on Act Two. Um, and this is essentially indicated by lots of things. There's been so many different sets built to represent this planet, it's insane. So, for a start, you have there have been sets built at Pinewood to represent the planet. There have been sets built at Longcross Studios, like on the back lot. It's near Pinewood, but it's not Pinewood. Um, And they basically built a full-scale Millennium Falcon there, along with like a slope with some steps and this enormous burnt tree. So it's very evocative. And then they filmed in like three or four separate locations in Ireland. Mm. So just from what we know, we're talking like at least six separate filming locations just for this part of the story. Right. So they have done lots and lots of filming for this location so that really does seem to lend credence to this increasingly concrete belief that yeah most of their story happens there yeah, and it adds into that fact,
1: like that idea that Luke is there for a really important reason. Yeah, he's not just on this random island in the middle of nowhere, and <laughs> Ray turns up, and then they'd okay, let's let's leave, let's go back to the Resistance.
0: <laughs> Can you imagine what waste of time it would have been to like scout that planet for Force Awakens if like nothing significant happens there apart from Luke's there, and they just get him off, and they never go back ever. Yeah, <laughs> so pointless. Just, yeah, it, it would just i don't I think that would
1: have done justice to luke right like yeah. he can't be there hiding like you say he has to have been doing something important and we we kind of know from bloodline that he and ben were around they were traveling around looking for ancient jedi lore and artifacts and stuff like that so yes. this is something that he's dedicated his life to like since return of the jedi this is the kind of thing he's been doing yeah So it's really gonna factor into what we can come to understand of luke yeah
0: so it's really exciting yeah, definitely. So I don't think people should be afraid by the idea of lots of their story happening in this one place, because lots of exciting things can happen in one place, like as we will go into when we discuss these rumors. <laughs> so yeah, um, the first thing to discuss, I guess, is probably Luke himself, and there's rumors going back to the days before Force Awakens, and they basically indicate that Luke has gone like a bit crazy. While he's been alone on the island, um, and this kind of vibe has been resurrected in more recent reports from making Star Wars, because like whenever they describe Luke's appearance, they go on and on about how filthy he is, and they just, they just make him sound deeply unpleasant. Oh, I think it sounds so harsh, but it's. It, it, I know, I know, it, it sounds
1: really harsh. I know <laughs> it's not you. It's like those reports and this idea that like they use of the word crazy. Yeah, you know. And yeah. it's, it sounds to me, if anything, it's like he's been off by himself or like with animals and focusing on the force. It's like he doesn't care how the wider society perceives him anymore. Yeah. But you kind of get hints of that in Bloodline as well, right? That yeah. Leia is still very much like part of the political establishment. Mm. But he is kind of perceived by them as like this old kook. Yes. almost. you know, it's like all oh, the mythical Luke Skywalker you yeah. know, we hear that he took down the emperor himself and like it's all his sight. like he's he's not part of he's he's a mythic figure. Yeah and you, you kind of get that from how, how Ray responds to hearing about him as well, right? Yeah. That exactly. he's almost a almost a god, you yeah. know. So Absolutely. this this idea that he's become incredibly powerful and with that comes this like Id- these notions of madness or a disconnect to society yeah. is really interesting.
0: I definitely think that's going to be what it is. It's going to be a disconnect. So, like, I doubt he's literally mad, but it will be that like he doesn't really care for norms. So, like, I think he might seem shockingly callous in terms of like his attitude to the struggle that's going on with the resistance. Um, like, because I expect Ray goes there fully expecting to say, "Look, Luke, we desperately need your help. Your sister wants you to come back. Please come back and help us." And Luke's like. No, the best way I can help her is for us to stay here, and mm-hmm. to learn about the Force. And I can see Ray finding that incredibly frustrating, and like aggravating her to no end because she'll probably just want to go back to Finn. Because again, based on how Force Awakens ended, she had to leave him. Like when he was still in a coma, she didn't know if he was going to get out of it or not. So just as Finn is going to be worrying about Ray when he wakes up, like Ray is going to have Finn on her mind at the start of Force Awakens. So. Yeah, I can see that separation from her friend in particular, like cutting deep for her and making her feel a bit alienated from Luke because she'll probably resent him for keeping her like on this island rather than just doing what Leia wants him to do and going back. Yeah, I think with the younger
1: characters, there's this idea that this is fresh conflict um, and it's, oh, we have to solve it right now. Whereas Mm. for Luke... It's almost like this idea of history repeating itself, yes. you know, that he fought so hard and brought his father back. And yet things are happening just the same way again with his nephew. Yes. Or at least it, it seems that way now. Yeah. And there's the idea that, you know, the First Order rose almost immediately from the ashes of the Empire. Yeah. Like that the, the New Republic didn't really solve anything. Mm. So there were still these underlying issues. And it obviously has this real world relevance. Mm. um so yeah i feel like luke's gonna be just super jaded and bitter about the whole thing and like hey i'm actually focusing on things that are really important like the nature of the force yes you know that, that it has this um esoteric idea you know mm. that this is the stuff that really matters and is eternal yeah unlike these conflicts that will just be going on no matter what mm. so
0: so I can see him almost being like scornful of like what he would at this stage consider like petty concerns. Yeah. Like Ray's concern for her friend, Ray's longing for her family, like all that kind of stuff. I don't see Luke wanting to dwell on that at all. Like so I can see him learning a bit from the Yoda school. Like not to the same extent, because I'd like to think that Luke recognizes the importance of love and compassion because those things were so integral to his own success. In turn, Vader back to the light side. So I I would hate to see him being dismissive of those qualities, but at the same time, I think he would have like a more mature, like a nuanced perspective on things, that would make him more confident to say, like I know these things seem really really important to you, like your friend and get finding your parents, but trust me, that are more important things. Like our mission here, my purpose here in particular, is extremely important. We need to see it through. Yeah, Something it's like going that. to
1: be really interesting to see how they approach Luke's character because like, Ryan's kind of alluded to the idea of not giving into nostalgia or being too reverential with the characters. Yes. Um. So people are so attached to the original heroes, especially Luke, mm. that um. There's this idea that he can't be too different from what people remember of him. Yes, but he was going on a hero journey of his own through through the original trilogy, so he's not the boy in a New Hope or even Empire anymore. Yeah. He's not even going to be what we saw at the end of the Jedi. Yeah. Um. So, I hope I ho- inevitably it's not going to please everyone.
0: Yeah. No. Um, definitely not.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. You don't want to be too dismissive of the idea that Ray cares about her friends and who her, who her family are and wanting to be reunited with those. But um, Luke, for 30 years, has been studying the Force. Well, that's what we assume. Mm. So, he's just going to have different priorities. Yes. And kind of maybe get an in- indication of was that something that factored into his rift with Kylo Ren somehow? Mm. Was that? Now, how does this feed into how he fell too
0: yeah exactly so we are clearly going to find out more about what happened in the past as well as learning about how things happen after the force awakens um, right yeah then we have the story that we've obviously already touched upon about the avian critters like potentially convoys who are attuned to the force and maybe guardians of the planet um, and Megan Stowers they've suggested that Luke has permission from these creatures to be on the planet, but Ray doesn't. And kind of separately from that, they suggested that Ray has to fight a giant sea monster. <laughs> I know this sounds like the ramblings of a crazy person. I'm sorry. I, I, um, I, I, this they, kind of
1: reminded me of what you were talking about last week with Moana, that hmm. maybe there's this idea that she has to initially fight the monster, but ends up taming it somehow or yes. becoming its friend. That would be nice.
0: Yeah, no, I think that'd be really nice they've kind making the stars themselves. They've speculated that fighting this monster, that might be a kind of test for like Ray to gain acceptance on the planet. They weren't certain of that at all. That seemed to be just their own saying, this might be a thing that happens. Mm. Um, But yeah, like you, I think that's a nice idea. I don't think they'd show Ray like slaughtering it and cutting its head off because it's not that kind of story.
1: Yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, a moment in dark disciple mm. where the characters have to do something like this. Um, yeah, that it's not necessarily about defeating and slaying, but yeah, that you learn something about yourself. Like, I feel like something like this, while it seems silly in isolation, it would mm. help Rey realise something about herself. Yes, absolutely.
0: Mm. It's a very interesting scenario. Um, and yeah, then there's also the suggestion that there's been a puppet Yoda built for Episode 8. And I think Making Stars also suggested that They've had Frank holes over for some of the filming, and that they actually like built holes like underneath the set, like they did for *Empire Strikes Back*, so that they could have the Yoda puppet like be puppeted from beneath, and then like run across the set and like interact with the characters like in a dynamic way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that seems really exciting. Um, and obviously, it's it just Yoda's coming back. One would imagine as a Force ghost. Because mm-hmm. I don't see what other capacity Yoda could be coming back in, <laughs> so I don't see them going into a resurrection subplot. Um, but yeah, no, that's really cool. The prospect of seeing Yoda again. Like, have you got any thoughts about what kind of purpose he could serve in the narrative, Kirsty? This just kind of occurred to me. <clears> uh, throat>
1: you
0: throat> know, if if we are right in this idea that
1: there will be this conflict between Ray and Luke, yes, maybe it, it somehow shows an evolution in Yoda because after what happened with Luke and Vader, mm. Yoda to an extent was kind of proven wrong. Yes. So maybe he'll be reflecting on how his perception of things have changed now. Like yeah. even him, you know, someone as wise and old as he-, he was turned out to be incorrect in the face of like youth's optimism and mm. belief in what could be right. So maybe Yoda somehow finds a way to like make Ray understand what Luke's been up to and why he's changed and evolved and help her kind of bridge that gap i don't know completely off base here but i I feel like if they're gonna yeah if they're gonna bring yoda back it has to be for something yeah not just a comic relief or anything
0: (laughs) i I like the idea of um like yoda being there to be on ray's side yeah i think that's really cool and it kind of goes against what you'd expect so i find i do find this idea of luke going off and search this jedi law really interesting because i really do think that luke he probably had this very real sense of guilt for not finishing his training, because you see that in *Return of the Jedi* when like Yoda dies, and you realize, "Oh crap!" <laughs> like <laughs> that ship has sailed. Yeah. You know, at that point, and obviously he can still see Force Ghost Yoda, and I'm sure Force Ghost Yoda can tell him stuff. But when Yoda dies, that's like a, a repository of knowledge of the Force that has gone forever. So mm. I think that lack probably feeds into Luke's desire to learn as much as he can about the Force and the Jedi, and yeah, I just find it interesting. So I think there's a real possibility that in trying to compensate for that lack, Luke overcompensated and he kind of became like what he said he wouldn't like. is in, like he did maybe move away from like the humanistic perspective he'd had before, like in trying to attune himself with the Jedi and to become more knowledgeable about their ways of doing things and their teachings. Again, that's completely speculative from my point of view. But I just think that's an angle they could take, and I think that might explain what making stars have suggested about Luke urging Ray to kill Kylo, like because it seems like a very odd perspective for the man who like had endless compassion for his own father to take to say no, I want you to go and kill my nephew. You know that doesn't really jive with the Luke we last saw in Return of the Jedi.
1: Yeah, that I have kind of a hard time with that spoiler because I I. Put great stock in making Star Wars. They haven't got absolutely everything right. They do walk things back sometimes, and did with the Force Awakens. Like this, you know, fully admit to things when they don't quite hit the mark. Yeah, but if that if I'd heard that from anyone else, I don't think I'd have been able to believe it. Yes, because it does seem so out of character for Luke because of what we know. You know, he went through with Vader, mm. and he's talking about his nephew, who he saw grow up, presumably. Yes, and um, so he does have a very personal connection to him. But it's almost like you do have to have that regression with the older like father figure or mentor figure mm-hmm. um, so that the young people can come in and choose the right path for themselves. Mm. So I can't remember how that report was exactly phrased. Was it that he specifically
0: wanted her to kill him or was it that she needed to face him or <sighs> I, fight him? Or I think I recall them using the word kill. Wow. But let me check. <laughs> yeah, because it's obviously a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. like what the hell happened
1: to have someone who had faith in his father who he had never seen as a light side user. Yes. Um, wasn't raised by him or anything, say, No, there's no hope for my nephew now. Yeah. Who we know is a conflicted person. Yeah. But maybe it's a case of, Okay, well he killed his father. That's something that I could never have done.
0: Yes. Yeah. I don't Yeah. Yeah. No, I've got the article here and it says from what I've heard a few times, Rey is reluctant with, if not angry at, Luke Skywalker because she has to kill Kylo Ren and she doesn't want to do it. So that is different from what I was suggesting before, because it is not necessarily saying that Luke is the one who says you have to kill Kylo Ren. It's saying it's almost presenting the fact she has to kill Kylo as like an objective fact, not necessarily from Luke. Like, But like Luke is presumably going along with this and suggesting that, yes, you need to do it. Whereas Ray is the one resisting that proposal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe it's Yoda who says Kylo Ren needs to die. Because if Yoda, like, it might go against your interpretation, but it's possible that Yoda is still, like, a staunch conservative as far as Jedi go. <laughs> and he's like, nope, kill him, you must. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd probably be easier to put that on Yoda than Luke, right? Yes. Like, but at the same time, it doesn't, I don't know. I don't I don't think that would work quite with you. Yoda in the same way because I'm going to be extremely frustrated with Yoda if he still hasn't learned his <laughs> lesson because <laughs> you see him all the way through the prequels like you know completely embedded in that he's completely blind to the dark side that if, Palpatine's right there under their nose <laughs> they don't see it yes um and Luke is very very different like again we get those hints in Bloodline that he's not a Jedi for the New Republic in the way that the Jedi Order were for them in the prequels you know they're not an extension of their army or obi-wan kenobi being a general in the clone wars that's mm-hmm. not at all how luke relates to the republic yes they they barely know him like they kind of allude to him when they're talking to leia but it's very much like we don't really know anything about your brother and if he's really the son of darth vader he could be dangerous to us mm. you know yeah um you yeah. know
0: so many questions are raised by that whole let's call um, and again, it's possible that it's something that's not quite true or it's been distorted or m- misrepresented. But we really don't know. So we will obviously keep an eye on that and see what happens. Um, yes. And then the <laughs> yeah, another thing that has been mentioned. Sorry, I keep on thinking one step ahead of where we are. <laughs> um, is that Ray and Luke may well be exploring temples and potentially hunting for old Jedi lore. So it sounds like Luke might be che- treating Ray as like a master's student when he's like the fully qualified professor. And he's like, no, you're my grunt. Come on, help me do the <laughs> <health> work." <laughs> so I'm sure she'd love that because I'm sure that's exactly what she wants to be doing. Oh, yeah. Going yeah. around old ruins and scavenging for old documents and stuff. <laughs> I can see it's really droppy. <laughs> I feel like it, Luke, seriously. <laughs> again, this is something that
1: just occurred to me. I wonder if that's how... Ben Solo was that that kind of dynamic with him and Luke, like the young person being forced to do, like, oh, can you climb that rock? Can you do this for me? I really need that artifact. <laughs>
0: You know? you, so there's kind of this funny parallel. Do you think Luke got um, Ben to run around with like him on his shoulders and like doing backflips oh and somersaults? Probably, <laughs> just to mess with him. <laughs> and then Ray has to do it all over again. And then when Ray and Kylo like get together and they actually have a moment to have a civil conversation, they're like, "Oh, I really don't like Luke's teaching techniques. <laughs> <laughs> Where did he learn that bullshit?"
1: <laughs> but this kind of fits with ryan johnson at celebration mentioned raiders of the lost ark didn't he mm-hmm. yes and we know obviously ray is a scavenger mm-hmm. so yeah. I don't know how that's going to play into it
0: someone would think she has innate skills because mm. i think this is actually something that was like touched upon more like in the concept phases for force awakens there's like this whole idea of like all the characters being like obsessed with archaeology and hunting for things so that seems to be an idea that was largely jettisoned from Force Awakens, but it's been transplanted over into episode 8. So yeah. they're going to go more into the look we're really going to investigate the history of this stuff. Yeah, in the concept art,
1: weren't they going to like under, underwater caves and retrieving things?
0: Yes. Like the
1: Emperor's throne room and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, no, they were. They were doing all sorts of cool, crazy things. So I hope you get some more underwater diving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, right. And then the next thing is very exciting is that we know for a fact that kylo ren and presumably the knights of ren because there's been a bunch of black robed guys who also showed up um arrive on act two and as we discussed in the news segment it seems likely that kylo crashes (laughs) upon landing and possibly in his nice, lovely Tie Fighter, which is his homage to Darth Vader. So it's quite a way to make an entrance. <laughs> um, I actually really like the idea of this scenario almost being a bit like The Tempest, where yeah. like Luke is so powerful and like so attuned to the Force and nature that like when he senses this attack coming, he's actually able to like manipulate the environment around him in order to like bring up a. Summon a storm, and then the storm completely froze off Kylo's like flight plan, <laughs> and then it brings him down. Yeah, didn't we get something like that in the
1: teaser that Ryan put out as they were filming Episode Eight? Like that there was this storm brewing above the island. It yeah. was all very gloomy and
0: yeah. Like I think that was the announcement of the beginning of filming. Like it was just a return to the final shots from Episode Seven, and the first shot was this like rolling shot going closer and closer and closer towards the island. And the sky was just full of these heavy, heavy storm clouds. And then if you look at all the reports from Ireland, when they were filming on location, you'll see that things like they had to get rain machines in because they wanted bad weather and Ireland is just lovely and sunny and bright. So they had to (laughs) manufacture their own bad weather. So it's clear that it's meant to be nasty weather conditions. Um and yeah, I I just really like the idea of that not being a coincidence, but it being something that Luke has done by design, yeah, in order to like thwart them and to throw their plans off, um, direction off track even.
1: Yeah, that definitely has a strong feel like the Tempest with Prospero, you know, this big wizard and like older father figure. Yes, con- con- controlling things with obviously the younger female character. Mm. Um, and then with letter never sent we had that discussion a while back with that idea of the environment kind of reflecting the characters feelings and emotions exactly so i i love i love the way that people use that in stories so i think that that could be really cool
0: and i think carlo could very easily be compared to a broiling storm cloud so (laughs) i think that's a very good metaphor for him um yeah so i think that's a really interesting idea um there's lots of debates over when exactly this happens when they arrive but my personal feeling is that it's more likely to be sooner rather than later like just for the simple plot reason I don't see them keeping Rey and Luke alone in that scenario for too long like it'd be different if they were leaving the planet at the end of the first act but it really doesn't seem like they are so I don't I just don't see them only having Kylo be the other only having Luke be the other human foil to Rey. I think Kylo would have to arrive relatively early to like throw a spanner in the works. Because and you want to have spice those. spice things up. Yeah, you want to have those
1: interactions between Luke and Kylo as well, don't you? So yeah. No, um, exactly. I think they could very quickly show without using too much screen time mm-hmm. that Luke and Rey are spending a lot of time together and she's gradually becoming frustrated with him and they're mm-hmm. doing all of these cool things with the yeah. Force and and retrieving artifacts, but you don't actually need to spend a lot of time showing that.
0: Yeah. Montage. Yeah. <laughs> Training montage. It kind of in a similar way to what
1: we've got at the beginning of The Force Awakens. You know, they only spent like a minute or two on Rey's daily routine. Mm. But you you really quickly saw that that was how she was living her life.
0: Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. I think people forget, like, even though they might have these elaborate scenarios, like when they're filming on those salt flats in Bolivia, that's like a very elaborate and exotic location. But it's probably only going to be in the film for like five seconds. Mm-hmm. like so they will do all these setups for just like a very brief moment because they need to like convey the passage of time without showing it in real time because like you say they are going to have to accelerate things i doubt the film is going to take place over like a 24 hour period <laughs> right <laughs> it's going to be over an extended period of time but it's just not going to be shown in that way like in terms of the real time used yeah i think feel- like, you it's it's probably hard for people
1: to break away from the Empire Strikes Back formula. Mm. You don't get an awful lot of screen time between Luke and Vader, Yes, even though it's all leading up to that way. Um, so maybe people are kind of putting Ray and Kylo in that box as well. Mm. But I think for that reason, it might be subverted.
0: Yes, absolutely. I think there's lots of possibility there. Um, yeah, and then when after kylo and the knights arrive the suggestion from making star wars has been that kylo engages rey in a one-on-one fight whereas luke is left to do with the knights of ren um and i know they've kind of walked it back a bit because at first they described luke using his lightsaber and had quite like an elaborate description but now more recently they've said that they're not even sure luke uses his lightsaber so there's great uncertainty there. Some loot fans
1: got really excited about him using the saber. So I I kind of hope for their sake that he's using it, but almost from a selfish perspective, I almost hope he, he's moved beyond that and kind of just doesn't even need a saber. <laughs> like kind of yeah. goes again into that otherworldly feel that he's just this like amazing badass mythic wizard and doesn't yeah. doesn't need these mortal instruments.
0: Yes, he could just do a
1: flick of his wrist. That'd yeah, be I know. Do you listen to Steel Saunders, that podcaster?
0: Um, I'll listen occasionally if there's a guest I'm interested in, but not regularly, no. He
1: he always refers to it as ignite the green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That's all he wants from Luke
1: Skywalker. So yeah. I I hope for people like him that there is that element at some point. But I'm
0: pretty much sure that has to happen. There's no way I... it's not happening.
1: Yeah. I mean it's obviously it will be an element of fan service, but <laughs> yes. Star Wars is probably always gonna have that. So
0: Yeah. Exactly. So I think we can expect that. Um yeah, and the yeah, I find it interesting to me that the rumor suggests that Kylo's first instinct is to go after Rey, because if you think about Kylo in Force Awakens, his priority has for the longest time been finding Luke Skywalker. So the fact that presumably soon after he arrives, Kylo's first impulse would be to go chasing after Rey to engage her in a combat, like that to me implies that his priorities have changed completely. That he's just fixated on Rey. Like, and he wants to confront her again. Like, whether to take revenge, whether to prove that he's better than her after his training, or whatever. Like, it's just interesting that there's been that evolution. I think we already saw that evolution in Force Awakens because over the course of that film, Luke becomes less and less important to him, and he becomes more and more fascinated and by and obsessed with Rey. But yeah, I think we're going to see that in a big way in Episode Eight in terms mm-hmm. of its immediate priorities. What yeah. do you think about that? No, I, that
1: completely in keeping with what I saw of their evolving dynamic in The Force Awakens that Kylo is, you know, he has this idea of he needs to find Luke right at the beginning in the map. He's obsessed with that until he meets Ray. And then JJ pointed this out in the commentary, right? Like that he could have gone after the droid because the droid had the map, mm. you know, but he becomes fixated on Ray. Yes. So something else is going on. That's what he says. Mm. Um And... He he must feel personally humiliated by Ray by the end, right? That yeah, sure. He offers to teach her and instead gets completely rejected and his face slashed and defeated by an untrained scavenger girl. So I yeah. think Snoke is really going to drill into him. Like, that's that's a weakness, you know, mm. that you need to compensate for this somehow and go after her and defeat her.
0: So. Yeah. No, it's really interesting to see them, like encounter each other again because they're both going to be in very different places and I think there's going to be lots of high emotion so it would be interesting to see.
1: Yeah and if this is true that Ray doesn't want to kill him Yes. um, But that Luke has asked her to or someone else has asked her to or said mm-hmm. that she needs to how the hell is that going to play out in that fight you know?
0: Yeah, she's going to be trying really to reason interested. with
1: him as they're fighting or is she mm-hmm. just going to put her sabre down or? Because <laughs> there's that rumour doesn't she Um, they're fighting and then she disappears somewhere.
0: Yeah, apparently she—they're like fighting on the edge of a cliff, and then she vanishes.
1: So does she go into the water?
0: Yeah, like I have seen that suggested a lot, and I think we know for a fact that they used a water tank for episode eight. Mm. Um, so yeah, it certainly seems very plausible that that is a thing that happened. <laughs> um, in terms of like Ray going off into the water, but obviously we don't know if like Kylo pushed her there we don't know if ray jumped we don't know if she slipped and fell we don't even know if she, if she goes into the water at that point to be honest because obviously that report is quite shaky and quite a few elements of it have been walked back so we're not exactly sure how things play out but yeah like it's a very interesting scenario that, yeah because you could have lots part... of different ways they could play it
1: yeah you could have part of a scene filmed on location and yeah. then they stop filming and then the rest of it is at Pinewood, but you don't get that full story.
0: Oh, that 100% would be what would happen. Because I yeah. don't think they would film close-ups in that kind of environment because they'd need, like, careful lighting and stuff. Like, anything they did on location in Ireland, it would pretty much be because they wanted to get that big, beautiful landscape in there. Yeah. So, yeah, you won't get, like, the intimate character moments filmed there. So that would be absent, I think, from any reports. Wasn't Ryan sharing pictures on
1: Instagram of like a, a set that was built at Pinewood that kind of looked like the cliff?
0: Yes, there, it seemed to be like a cliff cliff edge or like the edge of a cave or something like that, just like a rocky expanse. Mm. Um, so yeah, and that would support just the fact they're doing complimentary f- filming to join up with what they shot on location yeah which should be very standard, as far as these things go um yeah, and i I like the idea of like if it is true, as you say that Kylo Ray doesn't want to kill Kylo, that like she is just fighting defensively, and I could see that really aggravating and even distressing him because it would be like, no, I want you to fight me, I know you've been training, like fight me, give me a challenge, I want to prove that I can beat you.' but then like that gradually weakening his own resolve as he he realizes maybe I don't want to kill you actually after all yeah because if yeah. if if you're fighting someone and they're not actually fighting back it's mm. like well it's not going to count if i if i beat you you're letting <laughs> me win <laughs> exactly it would be a horrible disappointment if he's been hyping himself up for this for ages <laughs> which he probably has been if he has also been training which we can only presume he has been mm. given what we know um Yes. <laughs> um, then there's also a rumor indicating that the force back from episode seven is revisited with Rey, Luke, and Kylo. Um, and yeah, I think didn't they say there's the suggestion that you see like bodies and like students with the lightsabers? Or am I getting it confused yeah. for another report? No, I think that's the same one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I found this interesting mainly because. It clearly shows that we didn't get the full picture when we saw that Force back in The Force Awakens. There clearly has to be more to it. Otherwise, it would be redundant to return to that. So I think we might well be seeing like a different perspective on things.
1: Yeah, I wonder how this vision comes about. Mm. Because obviously with the first one, Ray touched the saber, but it's not going to happen that exact way again. Yes. So is it someone telling her the story, and then it moves to this actual vision? or? Um does she touch another kind of artifact and it's revealed or
0: i do like the theory that like kylo had like a corresponding vision to raise like a complementary one where they intersect but they're from different points of view Mm. um so i could see a scenario where he's telling her like about what he saw like and what he experienced and then that's what they use for the force back like that's when it cuts in um like but then again, it's equally possible that they trigger it through an object. Like, it wouldn't be the lightsaber again, I don't think. Otherwise, it just becomes the magical plot device What convenience. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe they drink magical herbal tea or something. <laughs> <Luke> <laughs> does
1: have that kind of stoner vibe on Up on 2. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Corrupting the young. Hey, <laughs> kids, got some great stuff. Expand the mind. <laughs> Time is an illusion. <laughs> Free <laughs> the <a> big man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's getting late here now. Um, right, yeah, and then as like a wild card rumor, just for fun, there is basically a Reddit rumor, and I know what you're thinking, but basically this one it's more plausible than most because it essentially came out before we had concrete evidence that Kylo was going to be involved with the Act 2 scenes. Um, this report came out and it said, indicated clearly that Kylo was going to end up on Act 2. And that was something we simply didn't know for sure until we first had reports of, yes, Adam Driver will be flying into Ireland. And then we had paparazzi shots of him and Daisy Ridley arriving. Um, So, yeah, that's when it became irrefutable. And this report emerged like a few weeks, I think, before that did. So, yeah, there's more reason to believe this than there is to believe the average nonsense you find on Reddit. (laughs) So that's why we're discussing it.
1: mm -hmm. Kind of, but to play devil's advocate, Mm -hmm. just from The Force Awakens, I kind of assumed that Kylo would end up on Acto at some point anyway.
0: I think that's an unusually prescient, like assumption to form. I would say I I think you're like a-, a very careful viewer, so I I agree with you. I think it's reasonable to expect that that would happen, but I think for your average lazy person who's inventing leaks, I'm not sure it's the thing that would come to mind. Mm-hmm. So I-, I think your first thought would be Ray goes get get Luke. Maybe they train for like 10 minutes, but then they're off the island and they're back of everyone and they're all having adventures and it's all jolly good, you know? So you find a lot of confusion and bafflement over the whole idea of them being on the island for any length of time. So yeah, don't be wrong. It could just be complete guesswork and lucky guesswork because it assumes something that was later proven. Um, But it is also possible. You know, there's nothing that's come out to suggest this isn't happening so far. So, yeah, take it with a pinch of salt. But basically, this report, it says that Rey and Kylo are having a conversation in one of the stone huts on Act 2. Luke doesn't like the conversation for some reason, and he gets pissed, and the hut blows up. And, so, yes. <laughs> the bit about Luke
1: blowing the hut up, that's speculation, right? That Luke yes. somehow causes it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, they have a scenario where they know Luke is upset or distressed or whatever with what's being said. And then there's a hut explosion. And I Mm. think they assume that is something to do with Luke being angry. But that is only their assumption. I I think they said that they didn't know 100% that that was a thing that happened, like cause and effect.
1: Yeah. So those those huts, we saw them actually on location that they'd built that whole village. um, And then presumably they have the interiors at Pinewood. Mm, Yeah. So it's going, it's not just going to be there for like scenery. There's actually going to be presumably some plot development that goes on yes that relates to those somehow um it reminds me of did you watch three outlaw samurai yes i did it was great yeah it kind of reminds me of that so people who don't know that ryan johnson cited the samurai film um as some of the inspiration for episode eight Mm -hmm. and after watching it i thought that that would relate more to the force side of things as opposed to the resistance side of the story yes um, and a lot of it does take place, like, uh, um, in inside, um, and someone's been taken prisoner, and there are people like having these kind of intense conversations with each other, who are initially quite hostile to each other, mm. but over time develop these strange connections.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah,
1: that they don't expect. So.
0: Mm. Yeah. No. Like that's a really good observation. A like, really good parallel, because. We obviously have no idea what happens with Kylo after he arrives on the planet to fight with Rey. So it's perfectly plausible that he gets captured and is bound and is put in one of the huts. And so then in this scenario, it suggests that Rey somehow becomes drawn into a conversation with him.
1: I would love to have a reversal of the interrogation almost with him as the prisoner.
0: Yes, that'd be really interesting. I would love to see that. And that'd be a great opportunity related to what ryan said like in his interview of usa today about the characters being tested because mm-hmm. that would be a real test for kylo and for ray because ray would have to put herself in like the aggressor's position whereas kylo would have to like be the one who's been interrogated for once mm-hmm. and yeah i'd be really interested and see that as a reversal um, And, yeah, I just love the idea of Hutt, Luke being a hut slayer, but a literal <laughs> hut, not the slimy, jabber kind. So, yeah, that just fills me with childish glee. So I really hope it's a thing. And I can't remember which newspaper, but I seem to recall when they were filming in Ireland, one of the reports suggested they were going to use explosives on the huts on location. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, so, which, again, would seem to lend further credence to this. I think it was a report that was in the printed edition of the paper, but it wasn't put online for some reason. Um, so yeah, it was almost impossible to find. And did that come like out the, after this Reddit post was posted? was posted? Yes, it did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that adds more credence to it. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. Um, <sighs> <sighs> <right. laughs> My goodness. Sorry. It feels like we've been through like a, a long, intense journey together. Because we have been on a long, intense journey together through what we know about Episode (laughs) 8. Yeah. Oh,
1: so the last little bit you've got here is that at the moment, there's no indication of any of those characters leaving the planet. Yes, exactly. There's
0: a deal. (sighs) Mm. So yeah, that's a big question mark. And that actually brings us quite well to our next point, which is our predictions. Oh, God. For Episode (laughs) 8. So yeah, I set Kirsty and myself the fun task of choosing five... (laughs) (laughs) of things that we predict will happen in episode eight, mainly because we just thought this would be really fun. And also it would be cool to revisit these like later on, after we've actually seen the film and see how right or how wrong we were. So we thought we would commit them forever to the internet in the form of our voices. And, yeah, so then they're there, no returns, and we can come back to them later and see how well we did. We'll laugh at ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we we'll laugh at ourselves, yeah. I'm being quite optimistic, aren't I? Um, yeah, so Kirsty, do you want to go first and run through what your five are?
1: Okay, so uh, my first one is, it's probably more of a wish than an actual
0: <laughs> belief. But That's fine. Wishes are yeah, good. Yeah,
1: I think at some point we're going to see Kylo Ren on the Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. Um, and... I'm saying possibly as he and Ray leave Act 2. Okay. So that, um, and I, I talked about this earlier, this idea that he might not necessarily be the best pilot. So Ray will kind of see him have that contrast with his father because she mm-hmm. obviously was in the Falcon with Han. Yeah. Um, and that will kind of cause them both to reflect on what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I there's that deleted scene um, from the Force Awakens of Kylo on the Millennium Falcon. And, mm-hmm kind of wish that they'd kept it in because it does connect him with his family a bit more but i'm yeah. wondering if it was cut because ryan planned to have that at a later date yes that's so very
0: possible.
1: guess we'll see mm-hmm. um second we'll learn about force law that makes it clearer that both the jedi and the Sith were wrong in their approaches to the force um but there's potentially a third way that will allow users to harness the dark and light and balance Mm-hmm. I know this, this isn't something that's unique to my ideas of episode eight. This is yeah. something that lots of people are speculating on. And it's obviously quite vague. Mm. Um, but I just am um, excited to learn about the idea of, yeah, the force being a, a bit more uh, nuanced in the, the audience's eyes. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. that
0: seems very plausible. And it also ties in with like the Bendu, doesn't it? In Reddit. Um, <laughs> Reddit. <laughs> Rebels yeah like, just the whole point it like doesn't take aside that there is like other opportunities to explore the force beyond like the jedi and the sith and so on yeah i think that could be an overall theme of the trilogy so mm-hmm. if it
1: is to be it won't just be tacked on in episode nine it'll be obviously something that is introduced in it so yeah um i think that there will be some new dialogue or clear action that replaces the um you have compassion for her dialogue from snoke that was in the force awakens but cut Mm-hmm. so um, Pablo Hidalgo confirmed that that scene was filmed and it's in the novelization. If people want to read it there, yes. but basically after he's interrogated Ray, Kylo goes to Snoke and we see parts of that, but um, Snoke accuses him of having compassion for Ray. He can mm-hmm. tell that she's affecting him somehow. Yes. Um, I think that at the beginning or maybe as a flashback later on, as we see the repercussions of what's been going on between them, um, that we'll kind of get this idea from Snoke that, Okay, you may have killed your father, but I know that this girl has proved to be a, a new um, source of conflict for you. Mm. So you need to go and nip that in the bud. Yes. Um. Yeah. Um. I think that Ray will find out something horrible about why she ended up on Jakku, and I think that it will end up causing her to slip closer to the darkness. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, people know that I don't think that Ray is related to Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yes. So I don't think it's going to be um, a source of happiness for her to figure out what happened to her parents or why she was abandoned. I think it's going to be something that really tests her, as Ryan's been alluding to, that she's going to be tested. Mm. Um, Daisy has been talking in interviews about the idea of Ray being emotionally injured. Yes. I think that's something that has to relate to her parentage because that's something that would crush her. You know, that Ray waited there with good faith for so long. Yeah. And it really shaped her life. Um, Yeah, I can see that being really hard for her.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I can see that.
1: And my last one, which relates to something we're going to talk about a bit later, is that um, Finn will reflect on why he defected, um, but his fellow stormtroopers are obviously still with the First Order and he might attempt to turn some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably going to go badly. I feel yes. like that's something that Finn could be quite optimistic about because he might almost have this like evangelical idea that he's seen the light and um, he wants to bring that to his fellow stormtroopers because he was you know attached to a lot of them he had compassion yeah. for his comrades and um, yeah I think that could really deepen the character and test him in some ways too
0: I really like the idea I think that's a really interesting possibility I'd almost like to see that end well though like just because I have a feeling that if anything ends badly it will be Ray's arc in episode 8 so like if one of them has to end on a negative note I'd almost like to see one of them be more positive so I don't necessarily mean Finn prompting like a full-scale rebellion but like maybe like sparking off hope in like a few like just one or two like that that proven to make a difference in episode nine but yeah sorry I don't mean to like oh no from your predictions
1: <laughs> I know I would love to see it go well for Finn yeah that's the thing like I just think maybe that's something that would come to an end in nine or yeah it's hard to know right like I've just have this idea that um, The stormtroopers being individuals is not going to just be limited to Finn.
0: Yeah, definitely. There's going to
1: be ramifications. It's almost like a spark has been lit.
0: Yeah. And like even in Before the Awakening, when you see Finn with like his stormtrooper buddies, they're all people. Yeah. Like, names and personalities and stuff. I like, can, Finn's probably the most moral of them all. But like it's not to say he's the only human. They're all human. So, yeah, if that spark can go off in Finn, there's no reason, technically speaking, why it shouldn't go off in the others as well.
1: Yeah, and we have this idea of Tom Hardy being, a, you know, a Stormtrooper cameo. <laughs> yes. who We might even see his face, so that would kind of humanise him a bit more, right? Like, Yeah. That, um, you kind of do, you are faced with the reality that Finn's special in that he's a main character, but there's something almost icky about the idea that he could be the only one who could make that change.
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: if he's done it, it would be inspiring for others to kind of, see that and want the same for themselves.
0: Yeah, I think there's a sad mes- mes- message otherwise, so I hope they avoid that. Um, right, yeah, so I will just move on to my predictions, and yeah, I'll just run through these quite quickly, so we're overrunning. <laughs> um, but yeah, my first one is that Luke delved into some bad things when he was trying to understand the forces. <laughs> that sounds so dodge. <laughs> <laughs> and made some morally dubious decisions. This will be part of what turned Ben against him. Mm. So... That's point one. And then p- point two is that the backstory of Rey and her being dumped on Jakku is somehow related to the quest that Luke and Ben were on. She'll come to understand her history by understanding what they got up to. So, yeah. That, that... I really like that idea. Oh, thank you. Like, I just kind of think there has to be some connection. Like, Obviously, I'm like you. I don't think she's a Skywalker. But I think it just feels too disconnected if there's just nothing in common in their pasts. You know, I think there has to be some kind of crossover and I think that would be an interesting way to do it. Mm. Like, Especially because Jakku itself, we know that's so important to like the Force because I think there's some kind of like Sith ruin. It was like a really important place to the Sith. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's why Palpatine was excavating it before the fall of the Empire. So, yeah, I don't see that being completely unconnect, disconnected from what Luke and Ben are doing in searching for like, old lore to do with the Force and the Jedi. Yeah, so I just think there's some kind of crossover, but we will surely see. Um, and then my third prediction is that Finn and Kenny Tran's character will have a flirtatious, energetic dynamic with hand layer vibes. They won't have a full-blown romance in episode 8. Their arc will be more focused on the adventure and action elements. Um and then the final two are more specific so they stand the greatest probability of being wrong <laughs> so here's where I put myself on the line and Hux will taunt Kylo about his Scar losing to an untrained girl, I-, I don't mean his Scar specifically losing, that sounds like I'm trying to personify the Scar, which I'm certainly not trying to do Um, insert a forward slash there between Scar and his, sorry <laughs> Kylo will go into a rage, possibly killing him that was in brackets so you think Hux might die in episode
1: eight? I think it's possible.
0: Yeah. I I hope he doesn't in a way, because I find him very entertaining. But I certainly think it's possible. Like I I do think it's likely that they would save any Kylo Killing Hux stuff until episode nine though. I don't think they'd do that in episode eight. If Hux were to die in episode eight, I think it'd be in a grander way. Like mm. he'd be like lead in a battle or something. Um, right. And then my final prediction Ray and Kylo will leave Act Two together. I think that might happen. Yes. I love And it obviously pays in...
1: mm-hmm. Sorry. It yes. plays into my first idea of them being on the Falcon together as well.
0: So Yeah, no, definitely. That would be my preferred like means of exit. Like steal the Millennium Falcon. Like and then like Luke chases after them going, Come back. Back, you lousy kids. <laughs> I, I could m'coplet, M- but, but obviously not because Luke is a much better character than m'coplet. Sorry, that's really bad. I sullied Luke, but I mentioned him in the same <laughs> <time>. <laughs> Dear Lord. I, yeah, I
1: think that there's this is likely because, um, you know, we're following Ray's heroine journey and she can't stay with a five father figure, like, she yeah. has to go off and be tested, and
0: yeah, and, and I yeah. was thinking like ryan's compared like ray's journey to adolescence like what you go through in adolescence and adolescence is not about sticking faithfully with your teacher and doing everything that they say it's about rebelling and going off and finding yourself and doing your own thing and generally hanging around with your peers <laughs> and like kylo in many ways is much more raised peer than luke is because luke can only ever feel like that mentor, like father role you know so mm-hmm. he's on quite a different level to what Kalo is
1: yeah and i said last week i'm kind of hoping that luke ends up with the resistance
0: again at the end so
1: that they yeah. do have this reunion between him and leia
0: yes definitely so you'd almost
1: have this idea of leia if she's in that coma she wakes up and and that she's talking to luke and is like where's Ray? where's where's ben
0: mm. you know so yeah
1: interesting no
0: absolutely there's lots of possibility there um
1: but we could be completely wrong about all of this
0: yeah no exactly (laughs) like we're just putting ourselves on the line to like have some fun and to like say yeah this is what we think at this stage based on what we currently know obviously if anything comes out that would immediately refute any of this we would revise our predictions but yeah based on what's currently known to us this is what we think so yeah it'd be cool (laughs) um Right, so I think I will skip questions but I will sneak it came from Reddit in there in because I really like this and okay. I think it's an interesting idea that's worth bringing up um, Right, so this is obviously a post from the Star Wars Speculation subreddit and it's basically flouting an idea for episode 8 this is presented like as a spoiler but take it with a complete pinch of salt because there's no real reason to believe this at the moment So what we have is it's not much and there's obviously a lot missing, but there's this planet that is basically a stormtrooper factory and it's where Finn came from. What becomes the goal of the Resistance in 8 is to liberate the planet, or so Leia thinks. But a faction of the Resistance actually just wants to take the planet out themselves and a rift forms in the Resistance with this line drawn in the sand. In the end, it becomes an impossible task for Finn and co to save the inhabitants of the planet before the Resistance attack pitting the small crew against not just the First Order, but the Resistance too. for you ask, I have no idea how the bad faction of the Resistance plans to wipe out an entire planet. The only other thing I've got is that I've heard a pretty strong rumoured title flouted for a while, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, they say they won't reveal the title. So that's <laughs> kind of relevant. But yeah, but what did you think about that part, about the Stormtrooper planet? Cause... I really like this idea. Mm. And I, I wondered if this would
1: be the planet that they were filming in Bolivia for?
0: Yes, that's possible, definitely.
1: Um, yeah, so I, I, I've i liked for a long idea, the um, a long idea, a long while, <laughs> yes, um, the idea of Finn he- hoping to liberate other stormtroopers. So like I said in my predictions, I think that this could end up being quite a significant part of his arc.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, and I do really like the idea of there being factions in the Resistance.
0: Mm. That
1: it's not just they're all good guys and they all have the same mission that kind of similar to rogue one, when they ask Cassian to take out Galen, Mm. there's this idea of darker things at work underneath because it would make sense, right. For them to hit a place where they know lots and lots of stormtroopers live because that's a big resource for the first order.
0: Yeah. I, I must say like, if this is made up, if it is just complete fan fiction, it's very good fan fictions. It seems very, very plausible. Based mm. on what we already know about the characters, and it also fits in quite well with the spoilers, like the suggestion, pardon, of all the like the divides within the resistance, and with like Finn going off on these missions, and like the idea of him potentially running like a small crew that has to actually go against the resistance, like that's a really interesting idea that would like fit in well with like the bombs rumor, because maybe he could be like attacking a resistance ship. You know? Oh, yeah. That would be possible. Like, because it might be, no, this ship is crucial. It's going to be the ship that sends the message that wipes out the whole Stormtrooper planet of what are basically innocent children being indoctrinated mm-hmm. on it. So I can't, in good consciousness, allow that to happen. So, yeah, I think it's a really interesting idea that I'd like to see happen. It also reminded me of the early rumours about Force Awakens, which suggested the Resistance had its own super weapon. So that it was going to be more morally clouded because the Resistance had a super weapon of its own that it could use. But obviously there would be collateral damage and innocent lives lost and stuff. So it would create all these murky moral questions. Obviously that didn't happen in Force Awakens, but I could see that idea being transplanted over to Episode 8 mm. and that then feeding into this. So I think that'd be a really interesting idea.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword when you see these spoilers that, looked like they could complement other spoilers because mm-hmm. you wondered, have they just taken the information from other yeah. things and turned it into something else? And that's why it seems to fit. Yeah, chicken and egg. <laughs> yeah. um, But we said before that Lucasfilm seem to have this pattern of not really discarding old, old ideas. Yes. That things will always get recycled in some form or other. Yeah. um, So if things... And if you look at the concept art for The Force Awakens, they had so many different ideas going on that it was never going to be possible for them to use them all in one <laughs> yeah, film. Exactly. But because it was the first one, it was like establishing this world that they could then, you know, figure out the pacing of things and the actual narrative, but yeah. that maybe elements of it would come back.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think they generated enough ideas for a trilogy. So it's natural that they're going to spread them out across three films rather than cram them all into one. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why we're seeing all these like ideas from like the art book and the concept art being returned to like in episode eight. And I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah. There's concept art that kind of looks
1: like Dubrovnik as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it shows like a Harbor and it's almost like a perfect match for the shape of the Harbor in Dubrovnik. It's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is very cool. Um, Right. I think we will leave that there because we're already on a long run time at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we've had a really good discussion and I think we've pretty much covered everything spoiler wise. We possibly could. Yeah. Episode eight. So it's yeah. It's kind of good to have them
1: all laid out like that. Cause mm. I feel still like, Oh, I desperately need some episode eight stuff. Like, yes. I would really love it to be true that we're going to get a teaser with the Super Bowl Cause that's yeah. just a few
0: weeks away now. Yeah. Um, I'm th- keeping my fingers crossed for that.
1: Yeah, but we, you know we're still a decent time away from the film being released, so we've got all of these spoilers about like set locations and costumes and stuff like that. But um, maybe we'll start getting some real narrative ideas soon.
0: Yeah, I think when you like see it all glommed together like this, it makes you realise how much we already know. Obviously, not all of this is reliable, and a lot of it is probably subject to change. But I think having had this conversation, I feel like I have a better sense of things, especially the fourth strand of the plot. Like, I can almost feel like a structure to that coming through to me. Like, and that might be a completely false impression that's completely dashed by what happens in the film. But yeah, it's quite cool. Like, just Mm -hmm. get a sense of it taking shape. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Right, well, if you have any questions for us next time, because we will get to questions next time, <laughs> please send them to scavengershorde at gmail.com. And if you want to help us out, please rate and review us on iTunes, where you can find us by looking up Scavengers Horde. Um, Kirsty, where can people find you? Uh, they
1: can find me on Twitter at Scavengers Horde and Bastilla Bay on Tumblr.
0: And you can find me at Star Wars Nonsense on Tumblr or on WordPress at Journal of the Star Wars. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in next time. Bye! Bye!